Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And the dude called Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. All right, you can take control of the airways. We start out with your phone calls and go to Brian in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. Brian, what's on your uh, mind tonight? Hey, big boy. Wanted to, wanted to call, in, call in tonight and tell you uh, a, uh, the next phase or hopefully the end phase of a saga that I've been calling in since uh, – uh, since it started about in about March, I guess, uh, right after the uh, Liberty Forum last March. Yeah, this has been going on for a long time. Why don't you give a, a brief recap for our listeners that have no idea what you're talking about? Right, well, we moved uh, to New Hampshire from Colorado as uh, uh, part of the Free State Project. And, Which is a movement uh, of thousands of liberty-minded people all converging on one geographic area. New Hampshire was chosen as that geographic area, and you're one of the early movers. Yes, and so I moved my uh, uh, business, houses, two houses actually, uh, equipment, livestock, all kinds of stuff, bees, everything. Yeah. Well, as part of that movement was uh, my wife's horses, and uh, uh, we had horses here and uh, ready to uh, uh, enjoy the uh, New Hampshire hospitality and um, uh, activism and a chance for freedom in our lifetime, all that stuff. Sure. So uh, at, at some point, the um, uh, we had a, a caretaker here on the property to help uh, Heidi, my wife, uh, take care of her horses. Because you have and, a lot uh, of horses, or you had, rather, a lot of horses. Yeah, there were about 30 horses. Uh, here, uh, Heidi is a breeder, right. and she brought it from Colorado. So, um, and we have you know forty-five acres, so it's, it's not like uh, you know they're all crammed together. So we, sure. you know, we've got uh, got several paddocks, and uh, we we put up fences and shelters and everything. So uh, th- th- there, there's there's a lot to the story, but uh, uh, to cut it kind of uh, for today's uh, talk is uh, in March uh, we were woken up and ra- uh, by a knock at the door. And a bunch of cops uh, with a search warrant, and they raided the place and uh, took 12 of the horses. Yeah, it was shocking. It was uh, it was outrageous. You did manage to capture some of the um, some of the raid footage with your BlackBerry, which I have a BlackBerry, and I, the ones that that we have do not have the best video quality. But you did nonetheless uh, capture some of this, and it was just absolutely shocking having these trailers full of people show up and raid your home, basically. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the SWAT team, but it was a whole lot of people coming in and disturbing your peace and, as you say, uh, stealing these horses from you. They charged uh, your wife with animal cruelty charges. Is that right? Yes, there is, uh, let's see, eight counts, no, nine counts of uh, animal neglect, which is a misdemeanor, uh, 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 yeah, a misdemeanor, and then uh, one one year in jail and a thousand dollar no ten thousand no a thousand dollar fine uh, for each count. Right. Uh, plus uh, eight counts of uh, of a violation. Uh, not, it's not a misdemeanor. It's a violation. It's a lot like a, um, a speeding ticket or a parking ticket, which is a, a, a lack of adequate shelter. 
they uh, they think that they know more about your horses than you do, and so they require a three-sided shelter from November 1st until April 15th. So if uh, snow happens before November, poor horses. But uh, you know that's their arbitrary laws. So but now, there were eight counts of lack of shelter and, and nine counts of uh, animal neglect. Now, um, just out of, I've got a couple of questions on these uh, these violation things. First off, um, that there are other states. You were in Colorado, and Colorado doesn't require people to have uh, shelters for horses between November the first and April the first. Is that correct? Is that true? That's correct. So some states yes, other states no. How do the horses live out there? It, they grow fur, well, and you feed them more. <laughs> apparently, the Colorado horses horses are a more hardy breed, or, or something. I don't really know. I, I don't know how they they do this arbitrary stuff. But it's uh, arbitrary. That's you all. Know, that's that's their that's their rules here, and they've got guns to back it up. So. Yeah. Sure. Secondly, on uh, the violation, Brian, um, what happens on a violation? It, it, it's not a moving violation. They can't take away your driver's license, which I think is one of the the main, uh, you know, the, the teeth in most tickets is, hey, if you don't pay this, we're going to take your driver's license away. What do they do to you if you don't pay a, a violation for, you know, horse keeping? You know. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you know, they have these levels. There's felony, and then there's misdemeanor. In New Hampshire, there's a class A misdemeanor, a class B misdemeanor. One of them you get a trial, the other you don't. And then there's this violation stuff, and then I don't know if there's anything below that. But, you know, it's just like what happens if you get caught for speeding, you know, and you say, I'm not going to pay this ticket, and they fine you, you don't pay it. Well, then they, they put a bench warrant out for your arrest, and now you get a trial for failure to appear or something like that, which has right. nothing to do with the actual, you know, violation. So now it's a misdemeanor or worse. Okay, so you get hit with all these charges. Uh, I recall that you guys did uh, lawyer up, and I don't know what you ended up spending on that. Can you give us, I mean, this has come to a close, and you'll get to the details on that, but what did all this cost you, Brian? I mean, because even though it turns out that Heidi's been vindicated, uh, it certainly hasn't been a win in that they've managed to sap your time, your effort, your money from you, uh, and and they just essentially have walked away. Uh, but how much did you have you spent defending yourself and your wife in this case? Well, uh, uh, we were just adding it up. It's about $26,000. Oh, God. Most people that I know don't have that kind of uh, ability to just lay out cash to go up against the government. And you didn't even have to take this to trial. That's what the news is today, right? I mean, they, they're essentially backing down. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, I, I guess, uh, I'm sorry, Mark, but uh, this, I guess you call this a plea bargain. Yeah. Perhaps it is. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of them. However, I'm also not a fan of uh, you know an overintrusive state. So if that's what one has to do in order to get what one needs, you know, I understand. I'm just saying that I don't think they should exist. What hap- What happened? Well, Heidi's uh, has been uh, talking for oh I don't know quite, uh, quite a while, a month maybe, uh, uh, with the uh, prosecutor, uh, trying to figure out. You know how to uh, limit the, the damage. Uh, damage is already done, uh, and so they came up a um, a deal. That's what they call it—a deal. Sure, they did. So they basically dropped all the charges that had anything to do, all the misdemeanor charges, all the charges that had anything to do with the animal uh, neglect. So uh-huh. uh, nine counts gone, poof, like they never existed. Just dropped the charges. Uh, and they, they uh, uh, dropped all but two of the shelter violations uh, because uh, when they took Heidi's horses, they had vets look at them, 
And they had uh, uh, people, you know, house the horses and pet the horses mm-hmm. and, you know, do all the same stuff that, that Heidi does. But, you know, now they did it at a, at a huge, huge premium. And if everything went away, the town would have to pay all these vet bills. And the town doesn't think they should have to pay for the vet bills. And so they had to keep, uh, you know, at least one charge uh, uh, there so they could have something to attach the uh, what what the, uh, uh, you know the, the money that they want back from Heidi for this business. Right. So you have to cover the vet bills because the state came, stole your horses, handed them over to these people to take care of them, and then they're essentially pawning those costs off on you, as though you wanted that service, as though that was something that you were interested in. Right. That, like, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just outrageous. Right. So the, the plea bargain. You know, you know, the, 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 sad, the sad thing, the sick thing about this is they call this restitution, right? Now, I'm all for restitution. You know, if I steal your television set, then, right. uh, you know, I got I to give you a, another television set plus, you know, a few bucks to, to make up for your wedding LLC TV or whatever. You know, I mean, it's, it's restitution. You have to make good someone that you've harmed, right? Right, but there's no victim here. Well, there is a bit. Well, besides you guys, uh, here's what happened: the state comes in, takes the horses. The state now, uh, the, the, the little town here, uh, incurs these vet charges. They call the vets, they call the the, uh, the the trailers that were out here, they call the trucks, they call all these people. They pay the cops overtime because there were a dozen cops here from three different towns uh, to execute this raid. Brian, I'm going to bring you back here in a moment. Hang on. Hold hold the story for a moment. We're going to bring you back. More with Brian Travis. He's with us from New Hampshire, uh, wrapping up the story where his wife has been charged with so many different things. It's crazy. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Candy. For inspiring ideas for your next celebration, be sure to visit us at celebrationcorner.com. You don't have to wait for a holiday to plan a festive meal. Celebrate any time with a fun menu or creative theme. Invite friends for a roll-your-own sushi dinner. Or surprise your family with a birthday cake when it's nobody's birthday. Fun is the name of the game, so make up a special reason of your own. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you the features completely free. Those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, even a webcam. It is all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Oh, and our brand new Listen Lines, the Free Talk Live Listen Lines, that'll allow you to tune in over your telephone. And, you know, I don't like giving so many phone numbers over the airwaves, but I do realize there are still people in this world listening to this radio show, perhaps, that don't actually have access to the Internet. Well, you, you never know where you're going to be at any given time either. So, uh, you know, if you're sitting at home, perhaps your Internet connection might be the best. But if you decide you want to listen while taking a road trip or something like that, maybe your cell phone will be the best. Well, there's that. And I also want to give the number out for people that don't have Internet access, because if I just say go to listen.freetalklive.com, there are some people that can't. So if you want the listen line number, it is as follows, 217-238-6220. It's Free Talk Live, streaming 24 hours a day when we're live. We'll be live there. And all the other 21 
21 hours, we'll be having you know the latest show playing back for you. 217-238-6220. All right, so our number here is for you to call in is 800-259-9231. You see the problem with this, Mark? Yes. You have like a pen, you have the pencil. Which I, we have a call-in uh, contest line, too. You want to give that out now? No, not right now. Okay. No, two's enough. Uh, so now is the time that you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30 state concealed weapon permit and get a free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. As we go to your phone calls and back to Brian in New Hampshire telling us the uh, the remainder of a lengthy story that is really a tragic one uh, where the government, the people calling themselves the state of New Hampshire, came in to your home, they raided your property, and they stole a dozen horses, making allegations uh, against you about how your wife was, was neglecting the horses, that there, weren't, uh, there was not adequate shelter for the horses on the property, even though you came from Colorado where such shelter was not required. So you had no idea about that, you know, that that sort of thing. And it, really, it's they're your horses and they've been fine so far. So who cares? But they cared. So they came in and they stole your horses or her her, her horses. Later, they returned most of the horses. And but she was still facing the charges, the criminal charges. Well, now they've dropped the charges, most of them, except with the exception of two of the shelter charges in return for her pleading guilty on the shelter charges. Is that all accurate? Yeah, that's about it. So I guess my question is, what is the fine going to be, or the fines, what will they be totaling on these uh, shelter charges? Well, they dropped all the fines, too. Oh, oh the, the okay. Uh, charges dropped, fines dropped. Really? Uh, the, the, the only thing she is uh, is that she has to pay this uh, so-called restitution. Now, I... I this is the thing that really pisses me off, the mm-hmm. way that they use this word restitution, because you know, I, I, I think that if, if you do somebody wrong, you should correct that, and that's called restitution. Absolutely. You know, if, if, if I, if I uh, uh, you know, take something of yours, I have to give it back to you, and then you know, a little bit more to make up for what I, you know, what I took your, your time without it. Right. Well, this restitution is to be paid by Heidi to the... Uh, to the town because the town had to pay the vet bills, the horses that were stolen by the town, by the, the cops in the town. Right. So, so the the criminal uh, gang, like- the the criminal gang is claiming they deserve restitution from you because they initiated force, they aggressed against you and your family. Right. And if they had a case. They would be getting as much money from you as they possibly could. If there was a case here, if you had been abusing your horses and they could prove it, they would have you over uh, the you know the, the wood fence you use to keep the the horses in. I mean, they would they would take this all the way to the door. They want the money. At this point, all they're doing exactly. is they're using the power that they have as the town and as a uh, franchisee of the state in order to get you to pay for their mistake. Mistake. That's the keyword. That's exactly what happened. In fact, uh, uh, you know, the, the the deal was was done between Heidi and her lawyer and the prosecutor, uh, and you know, it has to go before the judge, so the judge overstands. Now, this is of course is the same judge that signed the the uh, 
the uh, uh, search warrant. So <laughs> how much chance do we have for, for justice in here? You know, a bad search yeah. warrant, you know, whatever. I mean, it's the same gang. It's, it's, it, we're, we're against all of them. But we have to save uh, the, the animals. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah. Your animals, animals have rights, yeah. too, yeah. you know. <laughs> they have the right not to be abused. The, the, the pro- Prosecutor, actually, I, I don't know why she did this. This was just odd. You know, she should here's the deal. You know, judge, uh, uh, everybody signed it, just, you know, stamp it. But she actually took the time to stand up there and read something that she had written. She said, this is a high-profile case. You know, it's been in the news. It's been on the TV. Um, I don't know what that has to do with it, but she read the statement that, that, that basically said, and I, I, I have to buy the transcript if I want to know the exact words, but uh, it basically said, that, uh, you know, Heidi is a uh, conscientious, you know, responsible horse owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just, uh, you know, had a, a bout of, uh, you know, dens when she moved here, but everything has been correct. Everything is fine. She didn't have to say all that, but she did. I'm just short of saying, you know, perhaps the, you know, the cops in uh, Candia, you know, jumped the gun and came in a little bit too aggressive. Didn't say that, but but I, I think that would have been the next next sentence mm-hmm. if she finished it. Yeah, and it was in a way they kind of caught you with your pants down because you were trying to get the whole household buttoned down for the winter. They had just gotten there with all the horses, and I thought that you made a really good effort to get those horses sheltered before the winter came last year. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, we had we had several parties. Uh, we had you know building parties uh, from uh, uh, fellow porcupines, uh, Free State Project Moving Out. They built a couple of nice shelters, uh, and then we had an alarm that kind of uh, ruined one of them and, and kind of uh, put another one that we had to fix it. But you know, the the the, the whole thing about the shelters is BS. Because I have pictures uh, that I've taken in the middle of the winter. There is a there will be a driving snow wind ice, whatever, and there's a half a dozen horses standing right outside, right next to a perfectly good shelter hmm. that's empty. They don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so here's all these do-gooders saying, oh, you have to have shelter for your horses, otherwise, you know, you're in violation, you're, you're harming those horses. Here's the shelter, there's the horses, go in the shelter. You know, you can lead a horse to shelter, but you can't make right. them go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's been an amazing case. Well, I'm glad it's turned out without jail time, I guess. Uh, It's certainly not the optimal situation, but it could have been worse. But then again, as you pointed out, everything was fine, and the prosecutor admitted as much. So I'm wondering, do you think that there's going to be a follow-up? Have you gotten in touch with the newspaper uh, reporter that had originally put you on the front page and and kind of uh, mentioned that you were free staters and it was a great opportunity to sort of badmouth free staters as being animal abusers? Do you think there's going to be a follow-up? Well, you know, the, 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 the sad part about this is that our caretaker – whom uh, we hired to take care of these horses, she's the one who called the cops in the first place to say the horses weren't being taken care of. That way, I know that's just it is a it is a sad part. Do you expect there will be a follow up from the uh, the news media? Uh, I, I haven't done anything today. It's been a very exhausting day, but uh, might want to reach out to him because that would, that would be ideal to just at least get something in the paper to. You know, for those people that are paying attention, Brian. Thanks for the story as always. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold for just a moment. We're coming up. Free talk live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. 
Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. They include updates. Get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates dot freetalklive.com to get on the list updates dot freetalklive.com if you've been uh, encouraged by the, the 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 increase in the value of gold and silver here in the last couple of days or you're kind of scared about how many dollars are getting printed a good way to invest in gold and silver and make a hedge against inflation is to go to gold.freetalklive.com we have several gold and silver pieces there that i have picked out that we have in abundance um, through Midas Resources, and you can pick them up at an extraordinarily good rate. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, let's continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Barry is in Oregon. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Barry. Barry in Oregon. Hey, how are you? Today? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight, Barry? Well, first of all, I love your show, but second, like gold.freetalklive.com, you know, Mercury Dimes, like that's a real easy investment for people who don't have a lot of money to invest. Yeah, they are. They are good. They're, they're they re- good they really, really are, and they're divisible. So, what's a but, what is uh, a mercury dime? It's a tenth of an ounce of silver. Is that is that right? I'm, mm-hmm. I probably don't have it exactly. Yeah, right. it's something. It's it's pre sixty five U S change, but like uh, the dimes are really nice. The mercury dimes and like ninety um, percent silver. I've gotten some dimes from uh, Midas. Well, I can say that uh, th- those aren't currently on our page. Uh, they are not. Um, I, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's no problem. Um, you can get them from Midas, and, and certainly Midas in general sells good material. But, you can I call agree that with you. I, just so, bought, I bought dimes from them. That's why, I, you know, when I heard, because like right before I came on, I heard the ad for gold.freetalklive.com. Yep, and I agree. And the mercury I, gun popped into my head because I was so stoked with getting them from Midas. I agree with you that they are a good good thing to pick up for people who who don't have a bunch of bucks. And they're not making any more of them either. I figured that the Walking Liberties they're would not. be a good They never will again, and most people don't even know they exist. So, so you if go. you call the same number that's listed on the gold.freetalklive.com site, you can get them there. You'll get those. You can yep. get the Mercury Dimes if you ask for them. That's there correct. Yeah, those crummy FDR dimes were I'm around sure for so Midas long. I'm really willing to work with people and things. And They've always been really, really uh, professional when I've uh, when I've dealt with them. All right, so I what was on your mind tonight? Anything else? Over the years and stuff. So. Barry, we anyway, talk about dimes? Said, I think it was great. You had, you had Horse Guy back on. I'm terrible with names, and I always kind of nickname things. But Brian. I totally guy. relate to Horse Guy because, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I've, I've been there. and uh, How's that? Well, being a being a property owner, you know, private property has been illegal in the United States for well, I don't know, since before I was born, mm-hmm. it's been illegal to own private property. It's true because uh, and, you're uh, essentially a glorified renter in that if you don't pay property taxes, they come and they steal your so-called private property from you. So you're absolutely right. That that's right. And uh, where I live, I, I live in kind of an area where, uh, well. You know, they had the salmon and things when there's dams and agricultural stuff. And I, I don't want to be too descript or anything. I, I live in, like, northern California, southern Oregon area. Jefferson. But, uh, on my land, like, uh, what they've done is they've used uh, flyover pictures from the 1950s. 
And then, uh, and then they look, they do a flyover recently, like with Google Earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, there's black helicopters that fly over here all the time anyway. They're called Camp. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're like, they're, they actually are black and they're kind of noisy. But uh, anyway, um, what they do is they take a flyover photograph from the 1950s and then they take like a recent one from like 2007 or something. And they try to say like your paths and things like you're like uh, uh, improving your property, and they they try to tax you uh-huh. at at a higher rate. Oh, any excuse to get more money out of you, right? That's yeah, that's what they do. I have to take down some greenhouses. Like I'm not allowed to. And uh, there's a well that you know. Uh, basically, the county's starting to to I don't. They know we're here, kind of thing. I guess. Mm. So okay, right. so here in New Hampshire, you don't get taxed on uh, greenhouses. So you took the greenhouses well, yeah, down. Well, they don't tax you, but you know they want you to tear them down because you didn't do a permit. So if you have to follow a permit, so is that what happened you know, to you? You put up a greenhouse, and then they came after you for it. Yeah, and well, basically, what's happened is is uh, they gave me some static. Like I've had a greenhouse, and I, and I do like I'm, I'm active against them. I try to encourage people to. Uh, you know, to uh, forgo, you know, giving Caesar his coins any way they can. So why did you take down and, the greenhouses? Uh, well, uh, I guess, you know, they have black helicopters and fly over and stuff. Well, what is that? How is but, a black uh, helicopter what, going what to be? What they've a- done is they've used their, 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 like, you know, the government's like a poison. And, like, if you if you dump, it's kind of like ink. If you have a bucket of clean water and then you dump like a shot glass of ink into it, it just kind of like slowly pollutes the water and just its tentacles spread out and stuff. So what government okay. does now in my area is, is people who kind of get on their list, uh, what they do is is uh, if you have any kind of a mortgage or anything, uh, they make your insurance company drop you. Hmm. And then well, there's another insurance policy waiting that's like substantially higher than what you're used to paying. So, so have you, you've known people that this has happened to? Yeah, it's pretty rampant. That's awful. So that what you were afraid of? You they came after you for the uh, for the greenhouses and and instead of instead well, of refusing yeah, to, to take down, them, like you can't even grow food. But more so was like uh, like wells, like like uh, self dug water wells. They don't like that either. So like, so let me see if I'm understanding right. what you're saying. I mean, even though the property has water rights, they they want to get they want to get you know they got to uh, get a piece. That's what they do. I I understand, yeah. Barry. But you had said that you encourage people to you know to stand up to the man, and so I'm just trying to understand. You were concerned that they were going to somehow finagle the insurance company into dropping your policy if you didn't take down the greenhouses. Oh yeah, that's like a done deal, basically. Like uh, I, I've been shopping for new coverage and things. Like that's how they work. Oh, so they did take it down, or they didn't? They they yeah, just no, no. They they did they did send me the the letter because like part of the property I have there's there's a rental on it, so I have a landlord policy on that part, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what uh, they they cancel, and then uh, they want to like basically have their goons come in and inspect and photograph and snoop around. And, uh, you know, and not just from the curb, like, basically, you know, come on your property. Look for dead papers. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, they own you. I mean, they we, own we, your property. Now, were yeah. your greenhouses permanent? And you have to buy their thing, and they want, they want their, like, they want their guy, their, like, government guy, like, he'll want you to fix things. He'll want to levy taxes inside the house. He'll want you to fix things. That sounds absolutely and, and, awful. Uh, 
Yeah, and then he'll I, also, I don't ever like, hear stories uh, like that happening, uh, not to that extent, at least around here. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those things do happen. But there are some areas here in New Hampshire that don't even have zoning. Well, yeah, there's that too. But see, what happens is, is when you have areas that don't have zoning and then, like, people get in there and feel comfortable and then all of a sudden these dudes show up, you know, and want to have zoning and think, like, that there'll be zoning, even though, like, you've been living where there hasn't been zoning. That's where Wayne, you've, you've been dealing with that recently, isn't that right, uh, here in uh, Leinster, New Hampshire? Yeah, the town that I live in uh, was trying to get zoning pushed through, but two-thirds of the people in the town, or probably a little more than that, voted against it. That's pretty good news. Uh, so there's a, there's a good pushback here in that particular area. So maybe you might so want to consider getting the hell out of like, Oregon. Here we have mandatory trash. Like uh, Yeah, we don't have that either. Some guy got on city government, and he works for the trash company. And then so everybody has to have mandatory trash. Right. If you don't pay, they'll lien your property. So you were there. So you lived there when it wasn't mandatory? They actually put that in while you were right, living there? Right, right. Oh, man, that, that sucks. Just, like, just you know, take over. And so there is no other trash company that you can go with. It's just that one guy. But they can take over. Well, you could take it yourself. It's cheaper and stuff. But, like, basically, like, if now you have to sign on. And, uh, hmm. you know, if you don't pay, they'll just forward it to a collection agency. Do they so make it so you have to use you're this? you're on the books and you own stuff, like, they'll, it'll end up leaving your property if you don't. Do they make it so you have to use the city's the uh, service that's forced on you? Do they make it so you have to use the city's garbage cans? Yeah, city's garbage can and city oh, that's recycling. Annoying. That is so and annoying. And make it when they passed it mandatory, they said, "Oh, the price will be like this for ten years." You know, you're not. Your story like isn't uncommon. Not right? a ten percent. Right. You, you may you kind of made it sound like this is what they're doing in your area, but that's what they're doing in a lot of areas in the country. It's they're not an uncommon story. It is. is you're right about that, and I thank you for the call and thanks for the story. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What do you do about that? Work within the system. Elect new people. Well, how about you come here to New Hampshire and get together with other people that are of like mind before you go about doing something like that? It's Free Talk Live. Gunday, Gunday, Gunday. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only ten dollars per person. October 9th, tenth, and eleventh at Knob Creek Gun Range, the world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show, is fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over eight hundred tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at nine a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit knobcreekrange.com. That's K-N-O-B CreekRange.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase now, there's a lot to buy at Amazon. I mean, they've got dozens of categories that you can purchase from, including used items. So if you need to save a few extra bucks, go used. Or you can get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their new items as well. Just start your shopping experience through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and Free Talk Live will get a cut. Now, everybody knows that Amazon is the place to get books, but the fact is they don't have them all. Isn't that right, Mark? How can, how can any place have every book, especially the books that I'm uh, going to tell you about here? Free Talk Live has teamed up with M&S Press to offer you the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. If you're interested in buying this very rare set, you already know who Lysander Spooner is and how influential he was for the liberty movement. Anarchist, philosopher, abolitionist, entrepreneur, 
and Mailman. You can purchase his 2,800-page, six-volume set in library-quality hardcover delivered to your door for $335. Remember, this is the only place you're going to be able to get these writings. Just go to spooner.freetalklive.com. Uh, the, 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 the sort of purchase here link is basically just an email, and you'll have to discuss with the guy uh, you know, to, to get them sent to your door. But it's $335, including shipping, delivered. I guarantee it. All right, 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Bob in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bob. Hello. I'm happy to have an opportunity to express a thought that I don't believe too many people are considering, and that is the unemployment problem. Uh, unemployment, as you know, is first to be somewhere around 16, and some people think 20%. Mm-hmm, yep. And the government has taken a, a position that's absolutely ridiculous, if you think it through. All right. They raised the minimum wage. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, you know, now there's a lot of people who would love to work for 5 or $6 an hour, but I believe the minimum wage is either 7 and a quarter or Seven and a half, I can't remember which. Yeah, it's up there somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. And so they're pre- uh, prevented by the government to doing what they want to do in a so-called free country. Right, and you're not they, allowed to come to an agreement between you and another person. The government has to step in and say, oh, no, 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 you've got to do it our way. Well, I'm that's sure right. I'm sure there are and, people and who work under the, the table. some of I'm thinking about, I'm old enough to remember <clears throat> when gas stations used to provide service, they'd have... Uh, young men somewhere under 25 years of age that would wash your windshield, check your oil, check your tires, and put the gas in your tank. And I was uh, aghast, and I still am, to see middle-aged women out putting gas in their own cars. And this is an absurdity that would be readily eliminated if we didn't have this Mickey Mouse minimum wage. And there's other jobs, too, that uh, could provide good service to good people if the government would get out of our hair and out of our business. So yep, and uh, absolutely think, right. The fact is... I, it, I don't think too many people have thought of that, and I'm happy to have the opportunity to bring it uh, to the fore by your very fine program. Thank you. Well, thank you. In fact, it is something that we've discussed in the past on, on Free Talk Live, and, and there's really, if you think about it, if you're running a business, and I think that a lot of Americans don't run businesses, so when they hear a, when they hear the politicians saying something like, we're going to make it so your uh, darn bosses will have to pay you more money if you're a minimum wage, they, of course, get very excited about that. But what they don't understand is the economic implications, and the, they're not really hard to ascertain. I'm not an economist. I don't have any real training on this, but I am a businessman, and so I can understand this. If they mandated that I had to pay... So much money to uh, to Wayne here, who's very nice and graciously uh, comes here for no compensation beyond the fun of being on the radio. And thank you for that, Wayne. Now doing it for about th- uh, three Almost years now, I think. Almost right? three, years, three years, November 1st. Yes. Uh, so, so if I had to start paying Wayne, then that would increase my costs of doing business. And in order to cover those costs, I may have to increase the advertising, uh, the, the amount of advertising that we you know, that we charge for advertisers mm-hmm. on this this program. Or I would have to, you know, cut some costs somewhere else, see if I could figure out a way to, to shave down some costs. Now, I don't actually have a product that, that has any significant cost beyond communications, so there's not much I can do in that particular area. But a lot of, if you're manufacturing a widget, for instance, you know, you are manufacturing it out of uh, 
something something relatively make it out pricey. Of sawdust instead, so. right? You make so, making out of something pricey and cut it back to to particle board uh, because you have to keep pay, because you need to pay the employees more, which makes makes you less competitive in the marketplace, which could put you out of business and put those employees out of jobs. Or another way you can do it is by cutting uh, another employee out. So just you know, I've got five employees. Well, now I've got to raise the minimum wage, so I'll just have to let the uh, the youngest one go. Uh, because, well, you know, we we're just going to have the older guys take up the slack. Uh, they can, or the least productive, or you you right. you pick you pick who who hits the road. But somebody hits the road, right? So you can either deal with the increase in the minimum wage by raising prices, making you less competitive because your customers might go somewhere else, uh, or by cutting costs, or by uh, cutting quality. And well, that that, that is a, of course an aspect. But what really troubles me is the number of people who would love to go to work. I know two 18-year-old girls who would love to work for $5 an hour, and they mm-hmm. just can't find a job. That's sad. And if the market was free as it should be, then there's many retired people, particularly 60, 70, 80 years old, that would just kind of love to sit in an office and maybe do a little filing well, you know, three or four hours a day. But you can't hire them. So the, the whole thing is in a governmental absurdity that's increasing unemployment. Well, that's right. And, and, and we it, could it, greatly decrease unemployment as the case of gasoline service, in fact, I talked to my wife. I said, if you could find a gas station that would wash your windows and so on, would you go there? She says, you bet I would. And if the market was free, enterprising uh, gas station operators would offer service. They, they sure could. Attract business. Well, that, that's that's true. And, you know, the problem we have here, too, is that we have a very inflationary monetary system. So uh, they think that by raising the minimum wage, it does help people and maybe a few it does, the ones who already have jobs who are in safe industries, but the problem is is that really it, it hurts, as you know, more than it helps, but if yeah. you had an honest money system, then you wouldn't need to have a minimum wage, because if you had deflation in that situation, and, and people had to maybe pay you less, the money that you buy would buy just as much, if not more, in a right. deflationary well, situation. you said if you had an honest money system, if you had an honest government, we wouldn't have any problems. Well, now that's, you can know, talk about an oxymoron. I mean, that's yeah. not even possible. But I thank you for the call. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to have you. Thank you. We're happy to have you on the show. 800-259-9231. Yeah, the caller brings up a really good point about the unemployment rate now because the government's citing it about 9.8%, but then that's the real conservative number. Yeah. And then when you go to the U6 number, which is the most the broadest measure, it's about 16 point something. And then if you factor in the the, the bogus jobs they say that were created out of thin air, um, it's around 21% if you take those out because every month, they used something called the birth-death model. Oh, 127,000 jobs were created this month. Well, how do you know that? Well, we just made it up. Because really? we think that, yeah, we think the small businesses created all these jobs. And well, how fact, would they know? How would, how, would, how would you know how many jobs the small business, right? There's yeah, no way for the government to know. Well, actually, that can be somewhat valid when the economy is under a true recovery because you can't account for all the small businesses being created. But when you're going through a contraction like we are now, it's complete fiction. Yep, it, 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 he's absolutely right. You know, uh, Dave Ridley, uh, one of the activists up here in New Hampshire, he's the guy that's behind RidleyReport.com, great little video blog uh, available at YouTube that'll kind of give you a window into the world of some of the activism going on here in New Hampshire. At one time, he actually did a minimum wage protest, uh, essentially a demonstration where he was giving a puppet show. Actually, what he was trying to do was break as many New Hampshire laws as possible and to see if he could get the cops to enforce on him. 
for breaking these laws. It's absurd laws like there's a, a apparently it's illegal to hold a puppet show if you haven't uh, pulled a permit first <laughs> in public. Right. So he he started with that and then he added on another law that he was breaking like it's also illegal uh, to to get a milk bottle and then once you're done with the milk to put some sort of piece of garbage into well, the milk bottle. It's illegal in the state of New Hampshire to put anything in a milk container that's not milk. That's right. the, okay, good point. About their milk here. Right, right. So whether you was okay, so whether it was water or a piece of garbage, anything you put in that milk container except milk would be a crime. So he gave a puppet show. He put something besides milk in a milk container. There were at least a couple other things that he did, but one of them was that he hired someone for minimum or for less than minimum wage. So what he did during the puppet show was he found some homeless guy on the street, and you know, homeless guy could use a few bucks. We so could buy a bottle of mouthwash and get Gotta drunk have some that ripple? night. Uh, gonna have what? Ripple. What is that? Ripple's cheap wine. Oh, okay. Well, if the, if the stores are closed, they have to buy mouthwash. Because here in New Hampshire, if it's after 11.45 at night, you can't buy alcohol, so then it's mouthwash or nothing. Anyway, bums are always looking for, you know, a few bucks, and they're willing to work hard for, you know, or semi-hard. In this case, he didn't even have him working hard. He just kind of had him sitting around taking money from people uh, to, as far as admission fees to the puppet show. <laughs> he got higher than minimum wage then. And uh, no, no, he did not. No, he got like a buck an hour or something like that, or, or two <laughs> bucks or five bucks just or something suggesting like that. that. <laughs> that he might have, that he was collecting the money. I'm just yeah, making a bum joke. That was his job to, uh, to collect the money, and you know he didn't get arrested for that. Dave Ridley did not get arrested or charged for hiring somebody uh, for for less than minimum wage. Of course, he didn't have any significant assets for the government to come in and steal from him, so that might have been a factor. But uh, it would make for an interesting civil disobedience for a business owner to you know bring on some 12 year olds and make it underage less than minimum wage. That would really take it to the mat. All right, hour two's coming up. Bring up whatever you want. Free talk live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on the site for free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites uh, we give ours away. So enjoy it at freetalklive.com. There's a lot to cover here tonight. We'll tell you about one doctor here in a little bit, uh, what happened to him as, after he tried to do a little bit of innovation within his field and how the government decided to handle him. Uh, the Associated Press first, though, reporting that the, the big police departments are backing a snitch uh, program, which, you know, that's what the cops do. They they want to encourage you to turn in your neighbor for something. That way they can put handcuffs on somebody and put them in a jail cell. You, you get the impression from watching CSI and all these uh, these cop shows and that kind of thing um, that 
police work is computers and uh, fingerprints and uh, DNA and all that other stuff. And bad guys. Yeah. yeah, police work is getting people people to to snitch on each other. Yeah. That's that's what police work is, is. Human engineering. Yeah, it really is. So the Associated Press reporting that the nation's big city police chiefs. You want to talk about probably some of the most corrupt of the police chiefs out there. I mean, there's I'm sure some good police chiefs, uh, but it seems to me that if you're in charge of a big city police department, we've heard from police officers who've said things like, "Look, you don't get up into the upper ranks unless you're corrupt. You you don't get there." That's what they say. Unless you are. Just like um, the politicians. Exactly. So uh, they're supporting an anti-terrorism community watch program to educate people about what behavior is truly suspicious and ought to be reported to the police. Police Chief William Bratton of Los Angeles, and we saw this fascist speak when we were out in L.A. a few years ago for a radio convention, whose department developed the iWatch program, calls it the 21st century version of the Neighborhood Watch. Using brochures, public service, is, is it the 21st century version because they put I in front of watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. brochures, that's real cutting-edge uh, technology there. Right, yeah, oh, yeah, this is also cutting-edge. Public service announcements yeah. and meetings. They don't even have public service announcements anymore. Public service announcements are not even required as part of a, a licensee's agreement with the FCC any longer. Well, they have those ad council spots that a but, lot of companies use to fill airtime they, with. Right, they're, they're fill. They're not, uh, a, I mean, they're a PSA in that they are a PSA, but they're not required to air PSAs any longer. When they were required to air them, they only aired them uh, overnights anyway, basically. In like order 4 a.m. In order to fulfill their, their obligation. So the obligation never meant anything anyway. The stations that air them, by and large, aren't, you know, their salespeople aren't selling all their air. So this, uh, this little program will also be using meetings with community groups. iWatch is designed to deliver concrete advice on how people or the public can follow the oft-repeated post-9-11 recommendation, if you see something, say something. Program materials list nine types of suspicious behavior that should prompt the po- uh, people to call police and 12 kinds of places to look for it. Now, they don't go through the full list of what the suspicious behavior is, but they do give you a sampling. Among the indicators, this is what they're saying you need to call the police about. If you smell chemicals or other fumes, well, you know, I could understand, like, if you got a gas leak or something like that, that might be useful. But I don't know if I would call the police if I had a gas leak. I think I'd call the gas company. They're talking, they're talking about uh, making meth. Ah. If you see someone wearing clothes that are too big and too heavy for the season. If you see strangers asking about building security. If you see someone purchasing supplies or equipment that could be used to make bombs. Now, that's a pretty big category right there. It sure is. Because you can make bombs out of a whole lot of household uh, devices and uh, chemicals and and things like that. And I can tell you that I don't know what bomb-making materials are. So when I was working at a department store, people could have been buying all kinds of bomb-making materials, and I would have had no idea. And I'm sure that if you're if you're making a bomb, I, I would hope that you'd be smart enough. And, and I don't advocate violence, but I'm just saying if if you're making a bomb, I hope you'd be smart enough to not buy all of the parts at the same place at the same time. Seems like one of those no-brainers, and you know that's why some of the dumb criminals get caught and the smart ones don't. Because well, if you're going to buy parts for a bomb, spread it out over a lengthy period of time. Go buy the parts in different places at different times. Well, as far as prevention goes, all you can really do is hope to catch the dumb criminals. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what that's how it works. Well, and if you look at sort of um, 
prevention as far as uh, terrorism goes here in the United States is there have been a few people snatched up that have been big in the news since the 9-11 thing. And I guess this most recent one, which I haven't heard too much about in the last week or so, uh, that was supposed to be the biggest one yet, and they hadn't gotten very far down the uh, the path of plotting, uh, d- you know, doing whatever it was that they were doing. So it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, the the government makes these cases, and then essentially they can't reveal anything because the evidence would reveal uh, national security operations or something like that. So you've got these. Uh, the, the situations where somebody can't objectively look at whether or not this is a good use of government uh, funds. You just have to take their word for it. Yeah, trust us, citizen. We're keeping we just you safe. saved your butt. Yep. Important places to watch include places like government buildings. Of course. <laughs> of course. Mass gatherings. Because the government buildings are the most important places. Mass gatherings, schools, and public transportation. Now, I don't know what the full list says, so maybe the full list says something like neighborhoods businesses, other places that could be uh, important to people, but to the government, who's putting together this list, important places are mostly government places, with the exception of football games, which are kind of quasi-government places, because in many cases, the government has stolen people's money through tax dollars to fund football stadiums and things like that for their rich buddies that, uh, that own the football teams. Yes, in college football, a lot of the universities take a lot of federal money, too. So the program is also designed to ease reporting by providing a dedicated toll-free phone number and Internet website through which the public... Are there any other websites besides Internet sites? I guess you can have a local website that's only on your local network. Mm. Anyway, through which the public can alert authorities. LA's already begun its toll-free number and plan to put up the website over the weekend. The Major Cities Chiefs Association, headed by Mr. Bratton, and comprised of the chiefs of the 63 largest police departments. <laughs> you know, that the, they, they used to have just a chiefs of uh, police uh, organization. And then the, the major city chiefs, they're like, you know, we shouldn't have to come here and listen to these minor city chiefs talk about their stuff. We're more important That's than right. this. So they made their own organization. They sure did. Uh, he said that uh, they're expected to endorse iWatch at their conference. He says it's really just common sense types of things. But the ACLU had something to say about it, who is uh, their, their, their policy counsel is a former FBI agent who's worked on terrorism cases. He says the indicators are all relatively common behaviors. Because, again, we didn't get the full list here, list here in the article. And he suspects people will fall back on personal biases and preconceived stereotypes of what a terrorist looks like when making the decision to report someone to the police. So here's the FBI agent, former FBI agent, who's no longer uh, working for the government, so he doesn't have the same kind of incentives to go tow their their little uh, state line. Basically throwing it right back in the face of the 63 police chiefs and saying, this is a bunch of nonsense. This is yeah. just going to result in people calling in, saying somebody looks suspicious, and the cops get called out because somebody's wearing a turban. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, that just plays into the negative elements of society and really doesn't help the situation. After the September 11th attacks, the Bush administration proposed it enlisting postal carriers, gas and electric company workers, telephone repairmen, and other workers with access to private homes and a program to report suspicious behavior to the FBI. Privacy advocates condemned this as too intrusive, and the plan was allegedly dropped. Uh, and they say that we're not asking people to spy on their neighbors, according to the LAPD com- commander. Oh no, they would never suggest to the busybodies. Exactly and, what they're telling yeah. people. You know what? These are two. These are some classic signs of of a Sovietization or even a um, you know a fascist regime coming in. Because for one, snitching is real. Was really uh, widely used in the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany, and mm-hmm. and then secondly, the um, uh, making people afraid of everybody else. 
Yep. And, and yes. And dividing people. Yes. This, you know, I remember sitting in my mom's 71 Cutlass Supreme. It was a uh, you know, metallic rust brown and uh, with, with the cabrio top. And she would tell me sort of the difference. Because you've got to figure this is, you know, 19, the mid, mid to late 70s, the, the Russians were bad people. The, the Soviets were bad people um, to people in the United States. They were, they were the worst people on the planet. And we'd had a long time to, to cement that. The Cold War lasted a long time. It's not like these Muslims, which are, you know, new interlopers on the scene of bad people. And she was telling me what the made them bad is, well, they sn- they told on each other. Family members told on each other. They, they encouraged children to tell on parents. And now here in America, they're asking us to do the same things. And they pitted ethnic groups against one another. And if you ever talk to like Russians that are here now, they say that the politicians that they hear in this in the United States sound like the old Politburo. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to take control of the airwaves via uh, via the toll-free number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so uh, enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies, they've sent us their validated photo to show they're a listener to this radio program. You can see that for yourself over at shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch. Freedomsphoenix.com. We go right to your phone calls here, and we'll tell you about an innovative doctor who has been uh, attacked, shut down, uh, gone after by the state government people. First, it's Ryan in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm calling to talk about my favorite thing. I've called a couple times before. Uh, I'm a person who believes in liberty, and I see uh, what I think of as a, con- a very concerning strain running through the liberty movement of just an anti-science bias. An anti-science bias, okay. Absolutely. Um, and particularly I'm talking about childhood vaccines. And I, I see an alarming amount of anti-vaccine sentiment in the movement. Mm-hmm. Well, that depends on whether you believe that the um, industry propaganda is really science. I mean, if you really want to understand any situation, you have to really go into depth on both sides of the story and listen to everybody before you can make that assertion because there's a lot of things that are cited by the pro-vaccine people, and then when you go to investigate a lot of these theories and stuff, it's all baloney, and there's no real independent study showing any of that stuff to be effective. That That's what the um, other side of the story would I say. What you're, I hear what you're saying, um, except that, yeah, you look into it, and there are people that say it's baloney, but the evidence... If, as you really sift through it, really is in favor of vaccines as being one of the top three things that human beings have done 
to extend life and increase health throughout history. All right, let's have a research measuring contest. How many hours of that's research that's have you problem. done? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that so much. Well, right. now, wait, um, wait a minute. You're making the claim, just this base, you know, this baseless claim that, uh, well, you think, from your research, that the science people that uh, are in favor of vaccines are right. Wayne, you're saying, through your research, which I presume you've done, uh, yeah. because you seem very educated on this, uh, that uh, you believe differently, right? I do. I believe differently. And I, see, I, if you want to inject yourself with that stuff, that's, I, I have no problem with that. However, uh, are you willing to, uh, do you think it's okay for someone to force it on me? See, that's where I get really, really conflicted, because these things are incredibly effective and incredibly safe, but they're only really incredibly effective when they are dis- dispersed pretty completely throughout the population. Well, yeah, because you're talking about the theory of herd immunity. And again, you should read both so- sides of that story, because... I absolutely have read both sides of that story. Well, because why? Well, hang on a second. Be, I'd, like to know because, yeah. I'd like to know because why... Because I don't know, I don't. I've not read any either side. Because, so, because the whole why? justification for uh, vaccinating people is that when the, all the people or most of the people are vaccinated, that that it somehow uh, increases the protection. But there have been studies done showing that, for example, in polio, is that in the countries that they didn't vaccinate, the polio vac- or the polio virus burnt itself out anyway. And then you look at the Amish community that doesn't vaccinate. And and they, they must be had, dying left and right. Oh, they must be dying left and right, exactly. And they don't have the cases of autism that uh, the rest of, uh, of, really? of the population has either. So there's a they lot actually of... do have the cases of autism. Uh, a lower testing rate. Uh, okay. Yeah, they do. And actually, the, the, the ones thing. that came it's, down it's with autism were vaccinated. In that kind, in this kind of time frame, in this kind of form, unfortunately, it's just it's. Okay. The so did you, did you hear data on both sides? Are so fundamentally different, and the types of, of information on both sides are so fundamentally different that it's hard to reconcile them to people who are significant believers on either side. Right, and Ryan, and I, I do understand where you're, where you're coming from when you say that the, the information is difficult in this forum to, uh, to transmute, and I understand that the scientists are smarter than I am. Um, so I'm not saying the scientists are smarter than you yeah. are. I'm just saying that they're, they... They are more better informed, wiser. But there's also the you have to also consider the industry too, because a lot of people and a lot of researchers basically get their research money based on the companies that have the dough to give them, and so they're also pressured into coming out with certain. Um, Yeah, but on all these on mainstream studies, on real studies, on peer-reviewed studies in major journals, uh, conflicts of interest are huge. Pointed out, they're shown. Like people, these are people report what their conflicts of interest are, and you can evaluate based on that as well. So it's not so much an, it's an issue, but it's not a huge issue. So I, happen, so I happen to also have family members who have worked in the, and done research in the pharmaceutical industry. So mm-hmm. I, I've discussed a lot of these things in length with those people, and they'll tell you off the cuff what's going on, but they can't make it public and they can't say a lot of things uh, in their academic work because then they'll lose all their funding and their grants. But I, I think sure. this is this let's, is the let's, issue. So let's focus this for for one quick second because I think there's one disease out there that nobody can say anything about other than vaccines have absolutely made everyone's life better in this area, and that's Haemophilus influenza B. Hib. Have you heard of this? No. I, I've heard of it. Yes. But but what um, what about you see? Hello. Yes. We're right here. Can you hear us? Hello. Damn it. Ryan, can you hear? Ryan, are you there, sir? Let's put him. Let's put him back on hold. Uh, obviously, some uh, some phone line issues mm-hmm. going on there. 
Uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, I think that uh, the the problem here is that there's there's this move to to force everybody to to have something injected in them, and just common sense will tell you that if if something has twenty five thousand times the uh, amount of mercury that's deemed safe for food or water. Uh, in it, and you're injecting that in directly into your bloodstream, that can't be good for you. Doesn't sound good to me. I, I, I mean, and what, wasn't he saying that there's this idea that if a, if a lot of people use the vaccines, that that's supposedly a good thing? They call it it's, herd immunity. Well, isn't that isn't that kind of a uh, do-gooder mentality? Like, look, you could get your kid vaccinated, and they'll be safe, right? Yeah. If if Mark's uh, son Jack, who is almost two years old, uh, here in a few months, eighteen months. Uh, Close. Anyway, if uh, if if Mark's son uh, J- Jack is not vaccinated, and Wayne's kids are, I know that I don't know if they are they or not, but uh, they're not. Okay. So if Wayne's kids aren't, and Mark's, um, let's say Wayne's Wayne's kids are, Mark's kids aren't. If they're playing together, Mark, your son doesn't have any risk of getting infected by them because he's been vaccinated, right? right. So, exactly. So what is why why is it that you're so concerned these these vaccine advocates? Why are you so concerned with what other people are deciding to do with their children? Exactly. I understand. Are you just saying you know what's best? Is that what you're saying? You know what's best for society and that you want to force it down everybody's throats? I know he's saying he's unsure about that. When you asked him if, if he wanted to, to force you to, uh, to take the vaccine. But that's said, where I wanted to take this. If, right. If we can. Uh, if well, he, he's back. Uh, he let's is? bring him back right. here. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Ryan, do we have you? We absolutely do. But here's another problem is that a lot of doctors actually claim that that people who get the vaccine become a lot more contagious for a few days after. They call call it uh, virus shedding. So that conceivably you could get the vaccine. If you you have a live attenuated virus in that vaccine, Mm -hmm. you could spread it to me. All right, Ryan, let's, uh, we're going to put you on hold now, now that you've uh, dialed <laughs> back in. And we'll bring him back here and allow him to respond here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Why are you so concerned about what other people decide to do with their children? It's their kids. Their Why don't you leave them alone? It's Free Talk Live. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us, including our wiki. Over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I. Wiki.freetalklive.com. Choose for Health Superfruit Complex. I'm going to tell you how to get a free week of it. But, uh, Wayne, I, I gave you a, uh, a week's supply to you know, take home and see how you liked it. Did you try it out? We did. We all did. And it's a thumbs up for, from everybody. Everybody liked it. Everybody tasty. liked them. And, and my kids don't always like taking vitamins, but they'll, they'll take these. They are pretty good tasting. They're chewable. They're an antioxidant and a, um, a vitamin all in mm-hmm. one. And you can get a free week by calling 800-219-8874. It's Choose for Health. 
All right. We continue the discussion with Ryan in Virginia. He is an advocate of vaccinations. Called tonight to bring it up again and point out that he's concerned that amongst the liberty community, there's a lot of opposition to these vaccinations and we've just kind of been going back and forth wayne is uh, somebody who's done a lot of research into this ryan you also claim you've done a lot of research into it and you're both on different sides of the issue here so you've been just kind of bantering back and forth and one of the one of the uh, the questions that came up was for you ryan was you are very uh, in favor of vaccines but are you in favor of mandating that people be vaccinated and you kind of said you had a tough time with that can you tell me a little bit more about how you feel Brian, uh, do we I have trouble forcing anybody to do anything you have trouble I, mean, I, I have yeah I, I have trouble with the force issue uh, but on the flip side uh, but okay it's important that for these things to work at their effectiveness to stop these horrible diseases we need to have 90-plus percent of the population on board. So you're saying vaccines don't work unless you have a bunch of people? You're saying that if... The, the actual individual vaccine efficiency for a single person, for a single vaccine, is somewhere between 65 and 90 percent, depending on the vaccine and the person. Well, that's what the literature says, but there's a lot of people who don't believe that. And I know a lot of doctors who will tell you off the cuff that they don't even vaccinate their own kids. So what does that tell they you? They would be dangerous doctors. It'd be well, dangerous to society. Yeah, you know, uh, these, it's, there are diseases. It's very, very clear that vaccines have saved the lives of thousands and thousands of children. Now, um, I don't want to get off on this. Just um, that clear. I don't want to get off on uh, whether vaccines work or uh, or don't let me, work. Let me focus on herd immunity for a second. Okay, um, but Brian, I want to get to uh, eugenics here shortly. I'm going again, aren't I? No, you're here, Brian. Brian. You're here. Yeah, we can hear you. You've got something wrong with your phone, dude. If uh, if you keep getting disconnected, I I don't know. I heard what's... a click. Did you hear it? Yeah, I heard the click too. I didn't either. There was a click. I didn't. I didn't hear that. What must be well, the moderator? You know, I, I think get on a different phone for for people that want to force uh, you know vaccines. And I understand it to, to, to Ryan. This is an extremely important issue, and everybody's got their important important issue. They believe in liberty, except. Mm-hmm. And in in Ryan's case, he's right on the borderline of, well, we should have liberty except when it comes to vaccines because it's important that we have universal compliance Mm. with vaccines for them to work properly. Right, liberty minus one. But the next step up from vaccines is, well, in order in order to uh, make the the human race, uh, you know, good and effective is let's look at eugenics. Eugenics was a it's a policy that has kind of moved around depending on how you uh, you, you apply it. But mm-hmm. here in the United States, it was basically, you know, kids from bad homes, kids without parents, kids of uh, that were mentally ill, kids that were uh, autistic or retarded or whatever term you want to use. They were kind of neutered <laughs> so they couldn't breed put in situations uh, where they wouldn't be able to get to you know uh, the opposite sex and things like that american indians especially in canada this happened um of course the, the best people. example yeah the, yeah the eugenicists of the early 1900s hated black people and, and that, that much is true if you go to obviously uh, hitler and the jews is probably the the single most glaring example of eugenics and all of these people really did feel like they had the best interest of the society as a whole in mind when they were taking care of these problems now 
you know, maybe they, they didn't come up with these uh, answers through the scientific method, and I think that the scientific method is a good system for handling things. I'm also quite aware that there have been some mistakes in, um, you know, that the drug companies have allowed to slide through somehow or another. I don't know if it was profits or what 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 the reasons were. There have been a lot of those. But, um, you know, and, and well, I have a, fl- a lot of questions when it comes to vaccines, and he was he differentiated, and I appreciate He's the back, difference between... Is he? He's back. This is going to be our last try here, Ryan. Uh, I, I know. Go, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, going to go away after go, this. I go ahead with your but, thoughts uh, on whatever it was you want to talk about. Go ahead. Yeah, well, herd immunity is really the, the, the key to this whole thing and why it it means that society has a stake in how... And I know that's ridiculously, um, you know, very socialist collect- thing to yeah, say, very collectivist. but it's, it, it's important to... Every time you reduce the level of people that are vaccinated in society, you increase the number of cases of that disease. That's you increase the number of cases of what? Ah. He got disconnected again. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the try. But that's what Get they, a better phone. That's what or maybe say. it's our fault. For, for all I know, it could be uh, the network's phone. Well and be. we'll find out if somebody else starts getting disconnected later tonight. And I'm not a doctor, but I have my personal beliefs on it, and I've done research on it. And, you know, the other thing is, is there's been a lot of data cited back in the 1918 Spanish flu where uh, the people who were treated homeopathically, for example, for it, were had a much, much lower bir- death rate rather than the people who were treated conventionally. And it's uh, it's also been noted in the scientific journals, by the way, that the, the placebos have been getting more effective. Is that right? Yes. Um, now giving people sugar pills has been getting more and more effective. Mm-hmm. So the scientific method is showing that doing nothing is getting more effective. I don't know what you one. I don't know what conclusion one can draw from that, but it's very, very interesting. Huh. Uh, definitely is. And you know, about a hundred years ago, so this, this technology vaccinations are a little over a hundred years old. And back then, they, they didn't really understand how the human immune that system old? worked as well. Yeah, if originally they were invented way back. It was probably over 100 years ago. But then they started instituting them uh, more recently. But, um, you know, th- they didn't know as much about the human immune system and how the body worked as they do today. And so I, I personally think it's a dinosaur technology. You know, if you don't have an open and shut case, if you don't have uh, something that's very persuasive, then you get you get uh, what you have right now is some two sides going at uh, going at this situation with a lot of zeal uh with uh, with a lot of uh feelings uh, that are you know getting hurt and because people like Ryan they they feel hurt because well not everybody wants to go along with his little plan to uh to vaccinate everybody so he might die if we don't get the shot i guess right? and the uh, the people that are against vaccines are feeling hurt because they're tr- people are trying to force them into uh to taking these vaccines and if if these vaccines were such a great idea and they were so safe, then wouldn't they have a campaign that would be just bowling people over with the no-brainerness of the situation? Like, wow, you know, this is something we should do. Look how safe this is. But it's not that way because right. people are saying, hey, this isn't safe. Wayne, you're saying you know doctors who you otherwise trust uh, would say that they don't get their kids' vaccinations. And then Ryan just writes that off by saying they're bad people. Uh, exactly. So it, in other words, those doctors have seen enough kids become autistic from it, 
And and what about he talks about the children who are going to get sick? What about all the autistic kids nowadays? Look at the the uh, incidence of autism in this country in the last twenty years, and then which exactly corresponds with the number of mandatory vaccinations kids have to take before school. Well, they'll come back and they'll say correlation is not causation, and they're right about that. But nonetheless, sure. it's a it's an intriguing statistic. It's but, an interesting. But then look thing. deeper into the data. Look at what's in these things. Look at the neurotoxins that are in them, and it's it's really not hard to see how so many kids. Are, are messed up and, and they've got to have special education and uh, they can't sit still and uh, it, it's really reprehensible I think. Well, I you know I don't know uh, what vaccines cause what I'm you know I I do know that many people have given me anecdotal evidence of how it's been a in a, it has been detrimental to them in their lives and uh, you know honestly I'm just not interested in in giving Jack uh, the, the vaccines today maybe by the time he's a little older or something and and I can I've had a chance to observe him and things like that and you know prior to kindergarten maybe but that's not what i'm going to do today i just don't think it's a good idea to give a very young child these vaccines and, and, show, and show me the non-industry funded peer-reviewed study independent studies that show that, that it works because i haven't seen any because there are none that i know of now uh we've got a wayne address up at the free, free talk live account don't we yes okay so you can email that to uh, if you've got it to email to wayne he asked yes, for it uh, wayne it. at freetalklive.com and mark it's anecdote not anecdote more coming up free talk live hmm. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, We'd like to invite you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Just head over there and learn about the program. It allows you to send us 3 bucks a month with any major credit card or, or PayPal or some alternative options. And we take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Learn about the perks you get, like access to the amp-only phone lines, chat room, forum, uh, the Amp Only Podcast and more. It's all there. Amp.freetalklive.com. And go get a free audiobook. It's uh, completely unabridged. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. They have more than 60,000 downloadable audiobooks, magazines, and radio shows for your iPod or MP- MP3 player. You can also play them on a computer if you want. And you can try one out uh, Try one out today by downloading it free at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL as in Free Talk Live. That's how you get the free one. If you don't put in that slash FTL... No free book. All right, we're going to continue taking your phone calls about what you want, and we'll talk to Evan in Michigan. Evan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello? Hey, Evan, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, all right, I know I don't have much time, so I'm going to just talk as fast as I possibly can. Well, you, can take um, your, you can take your time. No need to spit it out fast. Go ahead. We're not going to hang um, up on you. Well, first, first thing, I, I'm a little behind on the podcast, but I just listened to that one. With Gene kind of spouting off all those kind of racist, 
uh, generalizations. Yeah, he about... was he was painting uh, black people with a, a pretty broad brush a, a few days ago, saying that most black people have big rims in the south, and uh, yeah, in the south, and and so on and so forth. But go ahead. Right. <clears throat> well, I'm black, and uh, I first this isn't the first time he's done that, but so this is the, the second time that I've heard. I had felt like I had to call in. And just kind of talk about some of the things. First thing, the first thing he told me, or he said, was like that Chinese people kind of don't like black people, which I think is, you know, total mm-hmm. lie. Because actually, one of my best friends is Chinese, and I've like known him for the last eight years. So it's and not genetic. His parents, like love me. So, yep. <laughs> and uh, the other thing was like the whole thing about black people being lazy. I think people in general. Can be lazy. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, Mark's lazy. And, yeah. <laughs> so my wife. And I, I actually worked in the South for. Uh, well, he he specified the South in particular, and right. I worked ten weeks in the South doing internship for a Fortune 500 company, and like I did not wasn't lazy at all. I couldn't have got that position if I was lazy. So I just sure. don't know what he's talking about there. Well, you know, he's generalizing from his experience, and he's tainted because his experience is what it is, and so he's decided to draw conclusions about most people within a certain subset or or group based on his experience with people that look like those people, and it's just not fair. And the, 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 the generalization is ineffective for this reason. He stated that it was a generalization and that it, wouldn't, that it obviously wasn't true for everyone, and I can tell you that nobody who is in whatever category you pick, but let's say ba- black people are lazy, that's the generalization, no, none of the black people, when you make that gener- state that it's a generalization, believe that you're talking about them. So therefore, you've made a statement that, d- that they don't believe affects them, and then you make a statement like, and black culture needs to address this well what I don't, is that right I, I don't know about you but there isn't a black culture and i don't know how you're going to address that uh, all the rest of the black people are lazy if in fact they are i mean it just it's 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 a statement that it, it may be true for him and his observations but it is completely ineffective he needs it to call he needs to call to bill it. cosby or something <laughs> um what, what is thing was go ahead Oh, my last thing was about um, that Michael Moore movie, Capitalism, a love story. Do you guys talk about that at all? We no, it has not. About it hasn't yet been mentioned. Well, my my thing is like, I think that movie is counterproductive and this puts a bad taste in people's mouths because I think, I mean, his whole thing is capitalism is bad, but I think you can just moot his whole point by stating the simple fact that we don't live in a capitalist society. It's like quasi. Exactly. Socialism and and painting Fascism. you know capitalism with such a broad brush, I think, will just turn so many people off. And sure, um, sure. Like, well, that's what Michael Moore does. I mean, he he's just an, <laughs> he's an entertainer, and he's pretty good at, at what he does as far as making movies is concerned, and you know, confronting the heads of industry or attempting to. Roger and Me was his first yeah, uh, his first film, and many times he correctly identifies a problem, but then he t- he steers you down the road with Karl Marx. <laughs> so I guess the yeah. best way to deal with that is to make your own movie and get it as uh, widely released as you know Trey uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone could probably make a, a competing film to uh, to to Roger whatever the hell his name is what was it oh Michael Moore Michael Moore Michael, I was thinking Roger Ebert for some reason they could they could probably get a movie out like that that was so uh, competitive towards him but then again that's not really their style so it's not that anybody couldn't compete with him if they wanted to uh, but they're just not for whatever reason. Yeah. 
any of that socialist movie out too. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, gee, I don't know, <laughs> the sicko about the uh, healthcare and how we need it and all that and yeah. Well, what uh, I think was at least John Stossel came out with something in uh, Sick in America and in, in, to rebut to yeah. rebut that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he actually had Michael Moore on that program, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't that the one where he yes, had he, inter- he interviewed Michael Moore, and it was it was great because yep. he showed him a picture of a Yugo and well, said, "You want them <laughs> taking care of your health care?" Well, we know that John Stossel is probably busy transitioning to his new career over at Fox. I don't think he's quite left ABC yet, but he announced on his blog recently that he's moving to Fox Business Network. And he'll be given an hour-long show on a regular basis. I don't know if it's a weekly show or a weekday show or or what that... I think it might be weekday. I'm I'm not positive. But either way, he's talked about how he really wants to bring more libertarian themes out and and that he was a little restricted by the the producers over at ABC. And now he'll really have more, I guess, free creative reign over the the content of his show. And so he's obviously excited about it. And he's leaving a pretty big position as the, the anchor for 2020 to uh, to go to a, to Fox Business Network, I'm so sure, it must be a good deal for him. I'm sure he's done a couple of good shows that never aired too. I know he did he did an interview with Ron Paul that never aired, the one that aired only on the internet. You mean yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so so th- maybe John Stossel will step up and go after Michael Moore again on this because. Considering he's done it before, I'm sure he's more than more than ready to uh, to take him on again. I guess we can cross our fingers and hope for that. But while I have you on the line, uh, while while we've got you here, Evan, I want to ask you about Rosa Parks. You know, as okay. as the token black guy on the show at the moment, uh, I've I've been in. There have been lots of discussions recently over at freekeen.com. It's my blog site. Uh, we focus, uh, as our listeners have been listening for a little while now, focus on uh, some of the activism that's going on here in Keene. And there's been a lot of civil disobedience as of late uh, with daily cannabis celebrations happening at 420 in the afternoon. And so a lot of the critique that comes out about this is that this is inappropriate. Uh, It's illegal. It's the the law. You should be obeying the law. If you break the law, you should be arrested. Da-da-da-da-da. And so people make the uh, – they, they reply to that. Some people, some of the liberty activists have replied to that, and I think rightly so, by citing Rosa Parks or, or uh, Martin Luther King or Gandhi, other people that advocated civil disobedience in response to bad laws as opposed to the whole process of just begging the politicians to make a difference. And one of the replies that we get when somebody brings that up, when someone brings up Rosa Parks is, well, you guys aren't Rosa Parks. This isn't as, uh, this isn't as important as what Rosa Parks did. This isn't the same as what Rosa Parks did, and while it's true that it's not exactly the same, and that it's not the exact same issue, uh, that the exact same actions are not being taken, it is, to me, it seems, the same in that people are disobeying the laws that they think are bad. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, do you think that the people that are saying, you're not the same as Rosa Parks, she's important to history, and you guys are nobody, do you think that those people have something, or are they just being jerks? Uh, I think that they are just being jerks. Uh, I've been listening to the show for the last two years, and I totally agree that the war on drugs needs to end. So uh, the the bad part about that is just like most, I would I would say most black people don't know about or or have an opinion on it. So they just kind of go with whatever they hear, and what they hear from the general public is that it's uh, drugs are bad and all that. So mm-hmm. I just feel like. For me personally, I think that you guys are totally the right and uh, keep fighting your fight. That's really so. So then we have at least one uh, black man's per- per- permission to reference Rosa Parks as a as a comparison. I don't know that that's uh, you know matters, but okay. 
<laughs> well, if you do in the context that Rosa Parks refused to obey the man and 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 felt that that it was unjust for black people to have to sit at the back of the bus, then there's a lot of things being done under that same spirit, that same principle. What's wrong with that? Yep. It's the principle that counts. Thank you, Evan, for uh, for th- for answering that, and I appreciate the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. And by the way, as soon as the first black activist moves here to Keene, I am hooking them up with a free Keene bloggership. I mean, presuming they're liberty-oriented people, which I imagine they will be. And then if they reference Rosa Parks, I wonder what the uh, the commenters will say then. They probably won't say a damn thing at that point. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAmail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit dnamail.com and join the evolution. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We will continue taking your phone calls. And then coming up, an innovative doctor has has found himself under attack by one of the state government uh, organizations out there. We'll uh, get to that story in a bit if we get a chance, but your calls are primary. So let's go first to David in Florida on the amp line. Hello, David. Hi. David, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Um, I was listening to a podcast of your show a couple nights ago. You read an article from Anarchy in Your Head. You had mentioned it before, and then um, and then you got a chance to read it on air. Yes, it was an article by our friend Dale at anarchyinyourhead.com about the issue of liberty-oriented people advocating violence as a uh, as, as a direction or a path to achieving a voluntary society in an airplane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the the uh, the question was, well, is violence an appropriate path to liberty? Is it even a, a possible path to liberty, or is peace the uh, the best solution? And I, I of course, uh, was advocating peace, as was uh, Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com and, and Mark. Uh, so your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're not going to discuss Mark. We've talked about that before. He's absolutely um, uh, of two minds in this issue. He wants a small government on the one hand, and on the other hand, he advocates peace. I don't know what that means, because I don't know what a small <laughs> government's supposed to do except use violence against people. So there you go. But Touché. Besides, besides Mark, <laughs> um, the, the, issue, the issue here is um, when is it appropriate to use violence? And I, I think the I think it came across that it's never appropriate to ever use violence 
Well, you should say initiate violence because if in self-defense, you may have to use violence, but only to defend your own life. Okay. Um, what about defending my daughter's life? Yeah, that's acceptable. I think we I think okay. we did actually address that uh, because well, it was my understanding that the point of hold on point of information. It was my understanding that the definition of violence I was using is one in which your intention is to cause harm. Uh, whereas when you are defending somebody's uh, safety or you're defending somebody from attack, it's not your intention to harm the other person. It's your intention to stop the attack. It's your intention to set things uh, set things straight. So I think that in in the case of defensive force against an attacker like that i think you're completely justified and there's nothing wrong with uh, with stopping the attack if you were to go then at that point and if you know if the person was uh, was hitting you and you were then pull out uh, if you've managed to stop them from hitting you you then pull out a gun and execute them you've gone over and above right. the, uh, the the amount of uh, requisite response yeah the distinction i think is the initiation of force if somebody else initiates initiates force on you and you have to defend yourself then that's not initiating force, even though you're using violence to defend yourself. Yeah, I don't think that was what came across in the uh, in either Dale's article or their discussion of it the other night. Well, David, if if it didn't come across, I apologize. I do specifically remember mentioning uh, mentioning it when we, were, when we were discussing it the other night. Okay, but let, let's get let's pretend that okay, I'm faced with an attack. Okay, now if it's one person and he happens to be smaller than me, or he has less arms than I do, I you stand are. a fairly decent chance of, of prevailing mm-hmm. in, in my defense. Is that true? Yeah. Not okay. always. But... Now, let, let's pretend instead of that situation, I'm faced with overwhelming force. Either he's got his buddies there, or he's got uh, a bazooka, and all I've got is a knife, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah. Now, in that situation, it would be inappropriate for me to use violence against him. At that point, it would be futile to use violence. It's just Sounds impossible. accurate. Well, right. if, he, if, so, you know, if you know he was trying to kill you and he had six of his buddies with him, you knew your life was in danger. Well, what are you going to do, let him do it, or are you going to fight back and maybe take out a few before you go down? Well, maybe, maybe there are other options. Maybe I could, uh, sure. you know... Uh, bargain my way out of it. I mean, there there are there are a number of things that I, I might try to do, and you know, I, I guess in the end, I might. You know, I mean, if it was my life or his life, yeah, I would probably, I would probably do something. But it would be imprudent to initiate that that defense. Sure. Okay. So in that case, would it be appropriate for me to later on? Um, to prevent future attacks from this same individual or same group of individuals, would it be appropriate for me to go to their home, I don't know, burn it down, or uh, possibly poison their water, or, you know, I mean, do, do a number of things that, or I, I, how about this, how about I, um, I plant some child pornography on their computer and alert the authorities? Why not just run? No, none of those are acceptable. What, what if Why? I can't run? I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think, see, the way I, I disagree with Ian's philosophy that we should always choose peace. I think that what we should do is choose peace if it's possible. If someone will interact with me on a voluntary basis, I'm more than happy to interact with them on a voluntary basis. If they won't interact with me on a voluntary basis, I choose to ostracize them. But there are some people, I call them government, there are some people who refuse to be ostracized. 
They will come after you and come after you and come after you. Mm -hmm. And at that point, when they've come after you and they continually come after you, isn't it appropriate to use whatever form of violence? Now, I know you guys say there's only one form of violence. Go postal. Get in there and start beating heads and and show up at the police station with, with arms and uniforms. There are other ways to be violent. Okay, you you're can, talking about like revenge tactics. You, you can right. you can have a ninja war. You can have all of these sorts of activities. Oh, I could buy a black you helicopter. Guys completely negate all forms of violence because oh, violence leads to more violence. These people are already being violent. David, so what do you say, David? How much time do you spend thinking about these revenge tactics that you're going to take out on the, the government revenge. people? It's not revenge. Whatever term revenge. you want to use. It's justice, Mark. Revenge. Whatever justice. No, it's not about term it's not about terminology. Revenge is is an an activity which with, whose intent is to make you feel better. Okay, fine. I'm tell me the word you want to use. Feeling better. Tell tell me the word you want to use then, David. I, I like justice. Okay. Um tell so how long how much time do you spend thinking about these justice tactics that you're uh, you're talking saying, about here? saying I should spend a lot of time at this and these sorts of activities although I do think that we should we should train our children so that they can defend themselves in lots of different ways not just with a gun or or um, with karate or whatever homemade munitions with, IEDs with, sniper rifles sure, air traps why not? poisons yeah. well you know the, I mean with with kids there's a lot most effective there there are there are uh, ways of violence that are more effective than other mm-hmm. other ways. Yeah, you'll probably get blown up in your basement using a, making an IED. One of the first things I taught my kids is how to do uh, defensive, evasive maneuvers, how to get Absolutely. out of a situation. Absolutely. I, I, I prefer that. I, I do. I really do. So why but, haven't you gone it, out and started taking out the uh, the police yet? See, you, you say that like... Um, um, you say that like, oh, well, you know, if you're in favor of violence, then you should immediately go out and be violent. Well, aren't they using violence against you? I mean, didn't you say that no, the government comes after you and comes after you and comes after you? No, no, they're not bothering me right now. Oh, okay. I mean, there, there so are, the taxes don't bother then, you. Yeah, when did you stop paying your property taxes? Even then, it's not... Just because I'm an anarchist doesn't mean I have to... Um, see, you say that anarchy is... Um, somebody who doesn't want any rules. And that's not true. I'm all in favor of gravity. I'm all in favor of all sorts of rules. That's cute. Um, I, I yeah. like my own rules. I try to live by them. So what are your rules? Um, I mean, when are you going to go on your rampage or your uh, your secret uh, ninja mission? not about having rulers. Well, okay, I understand. That's fine. I don't want to debate anarchy right now. We're yeah. still talking about violence, so let's go back to that. Uh, when are you going thing. to go on your secret ninja mission or your sniper mission against the uh, the, uh, the the powers that be? I don't have any problem with a certain group of people. No group of people is tormenting me right now. Okay, but so what will it take? And, and, and I refuse to put people in groups. Oh, those are police officers. Police Wait. officers need to be all all killed. I don't. Sure, I'm sure. So you just want to kill specific like ones. I just want to find out exactly what your plan is. I want to know when he stopped paying his property taxes. Well, and, and I know you had a question uh, as well. Mark, 800-259-9231. We're going to bring uh, David back here in a moment. We'll continue the discussion. Uh, I still say that uh, peace is the answer, and you will not achieve peace through violence. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that 
fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on free inspection and estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features, by the way, include our chat room. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com. And you can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners during the show and even outside of show hours. It's open 24 hours a day, but the best time is during show hours. Chat.freetalklive.com. From creating new and old media to political action and civil disobedience, market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism uh, in, in, in New Hampshire than you would ever imagine possible. So all you have to do is move for the Free State Project. You can lo- learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. All right, we're going to continue and bring back David. He is on the line from Florida. We're talking about the issue that's been discussed quite a bit on this program over the past few weeks, and that is the question of tactics. The question of tactics versus a violent organization known as the government that is constantly initiating aggression uh, against peaceful people and how to deal with these uh, with these people. And I used to be of your mindset, David. I understand exactly where you're coming from. I have had the fantasies about, you know, taking them out, going after those government guys. They've been aggressing against people for so long. It's, uh, it's just they deserve it. Uh, there's, you know, it's certainly it seems right. It seems justified to uh, to go after them with violence for all of the awful, tyrannical, violent things, the terrible things that they've done. But uh, what I see it as, and I see it from uh, from a couple of different perspectives, I see that using violence now, uh, I understand that that'll number one lower me to their level if I uh, if I choose to use violence, and beyond that. It'll also not accomplish what my goal is. If my goal is to achieve liberty, then using violence will not accomplish that in any way. You could say that, well, if they're going after you, then you could take out a few of them if they're going to take you out. You know, if there's some sort of they're rounding people up or some awful tyrannical thing is is occurring that, you know, they're going to get you. You might as well take a few out as you go out. And I can understand the, you know, the kind of the the logic to that. I, I get that because I've said that to myself before. But let's think a little bit beyond that point. I mean, if, if they're coming after you with some sort of violent awfulness and you decide to take a few out before you go down, well, what is exactly that going to accomplish? Because you're dead anyway, right? If you, were, if you believe that you no, were going to die no, before you... No, absolutely not. A- absolutely not. See, you're not I, dead? I reject, I reject the type of violence which you think is the only solution. Okay. I reject full-on... You hit them with, hit them hard, hit them where it counts. You know, put your uniforms on, show up at the police station. No, that's not what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. Hold well, on. Who ever said that? No, no, I didn't say that. Away. No, 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 David, no, I didn't no. say that. I said if they're coming I after you to. I want them to know. I, I want no one to know I'm an anarchist. Okay, so so then what? I don't, I don't want anyone. 
a real anarchist would never go and throw Molotov cocktails into a building. Okay, so David, wait a minute. That's not what I was talking about. Before you go on, that's not what I was talking about. I said if they were coming around taking you out of your home or something like that, or coming and you know doing awful things, you know, raping your wife, or just uh, just targeting you specifically and going after you, what would you do in that case? Well, I would hope that through the proper use of violence, that it would never get to that point. Oh, so you think you're going to have notice that they're going to come to uh, get you in the middle of the night? No, no, I'm not saying that. What I... And and I'm not saying that, uh, that being an anarchist makes you immune to violence from from violent thugs. It's it doesn't. You you have there's no stopping these people. Your way hasn't stopped them. You know, my just, way has okay. barely even begun to uh, well, to be tried. Okay. Civil disobedience hardly that. civil you disobedience that, but, has but hardly occurred instance, in this movement. You say that, but for instance, Mark. He claims to be a Quaker. Quakers have been around for a very long time. They've advocated peace. Christians have been around for a very long time. They've tried to convince people to stop hurting one another. Thou shalt not murder and all that sort of stuff. These are not new ideas. These are not new ideas. The, 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 The issue here is that people are violent. Uh, some people are. That is their nature. That is their nature. They are violent. So embrace, crazy, embrace violent, your nature, right? Em- embrace your. Uh, mm. People are greedy too. Um, should you Absolutely. embrace stealing? Absolutely, they are violent, lazy, and selfish. Okay. That's way. That's the what people are like. So you don't think that uh, people can rise above their their no, nature? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Okay. What I'm saying is that this is the human nature we are dealing with. You are not going to change. I am not going to change. No one is going to change. You're not going to put a yoke around my human. neck, David. I'll change whenever I darned well feel like it. No, and no, I'm not violent, and I'm not lazy. You can change. You can change as an individual, but you're not going to change everyone. Nope. It's not my job to change I, everybody. I can't change anyone except for me. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Right, and I've changed so myself by rejecting your violent... I've, I've changed myself by rejecting your violent approach, and I know that you're saying your approach is very hide in the bushes, uh, take them out, being creative, poisoning the water, uh, sure. you know, sniper rifles and all that. I, I understand uh, wh- you know, where you're coming from, but... I don't think you do, because I agree with you on most things. I think my first choice is always to interact with somebody on a voluntary basis. Anarchy is the most is the gentlest of all political philosophies. So what's it going to take, David? Except what, for the pe- when you have to kill people, right? What, what is it going to take to get people you out on your killing die. mission? People are going to die. What is it this going is to happen. take, David, to get you out on your mission of death? Well, I, I believe... I, see, I don't think it's... So you claim, okay, the government has done all sorts of terrible things. Sure they have. And in actuality, it's not true. There are people... And people do all sorts of terrible things. It's not my responsibility to, to mete out justice to everyone. I believe it's the individual's responsibility. I'm asking you, you like, as an individual. You and Mark. Mark you've obviously thought a lot about like this, and I understand, I understand from, David, why you're wait, do, dodging wait, the question. Hold you're on, hold on, hold you're on. dodging the question, Mark, David. I am not dodging the question. Mark, for example, would, would like to take that away from everyone and have this small government 
that then is I don't want to talk about menarche. I want to talk about violence, which is why you called in. You can call in about menarche some other time. We're on the violence issue, and you're you're advocating violence against uh, the people calling themselves the state. And I'm asking you, David, when is your uh, killing spree going to happen, or your killing a few people uh, thing going to happen, or whatever it is that when will you get violent like you're talking about here? I just want to want to know what your criteria are. When I I told you already. I didn't hear it. I prefer to interact with people on a voluntary basis. If I can't do that, well, you know, or we can't come to some sort of compromise, I I know it's not a perfect world. I know sometimes I'm going to have to bend. When are you going to stop compromising? I understand what you're saying. Everybody compromises with the violent people called the government. So when is it that David is going to have had enough with the compromising and going to start poisoning, you know, the water supply of the government bureaucrats or whatever it is your plan is? Okay, let, let, I, you want to get to practicalities. I'm talking generalities here. I would really like... So you have no plan. You David, have no that's answer. the problem. Me, I no, really I'm not like going to listen because you just... I, you, we're almost out of time. I would really like to have that to have happened to me. Unfortunately, like you, I went to government schools. I didn't learn how to poison people's wells. I didn't even learn how to defend myself. I got beat up in high school. I don't know if you ever did. I got beat up in high school. I didn't know how to defend myself. They didn't teach me that. I would really like to learn those things, and I plan on doing it. And I plan on teaching my so kids. He has no plan. Rambling. He, he wants to learn about how to kill people. That's what you want to do? Is that what you just said? I'd like to learn how to defend myself first. Okay, okay. good luck. So you're going to learn how to defend yourself, then learn about how to go around killing government agents. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Good luck with your violent uh, plans. Oh, boy. 800-259-9231. Uh, let's continue this discussion in a moment. Gunday, Gunday, Gunday. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only $10 per person. October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. The world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show is fun for the whole family. With machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit KnobCreekRange.com. That's KnobCreekRange.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Features including things like the Facebook profile. You can go to Facebook, actually, .freetalklive.com, facebook.freetalklive.com to become a fan on our Facebook profile. And would you like to pay higher prices for goods and services? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. It's one of the many compelling reasons SACL CAI has been at the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it a bank, hospital, retailer, or utility, could use some help with their collections to contain costs so they're not passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI. You can see their banner right at the top of the banner column of freetalklive.com. So we were talking a few moments ago with uh, David in Florida. And he is stuck in a place where, or currently in a place, maybe he's not stuck, maybe he'll get out of there eventually. But he's in a place where I once was, where I was on the air saying things like, well, if the DEA raids your business, then you should shoot them back. 
Remember me saying those things years ago? Mark, I used to say stuff like that. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure I was saying things like that with you. And uh, and I thought, you know, that that'll be effective. That'll stop the you know these raids. And I just don't believe that anymore. I first of all, I believe it's it's just not going to achieve peace through violence. I just don't believe that's possible. I don't think you can get to peace by being violent. It's Secondly, just, if if you think about these DEA guys that are doing these raids, these guys are hyped up on adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Well, what is going to give them more adrenaline than a certain amount of them taking bullets, uh, you yeah. know, previously? Then so, they'll really be hyped up and excited. I, I mean, <laughs> people die in wars, but you don't see the military, the, the army, uh, you know, I mean, there's a slump in recruits, but they're still getting hundreds of thousands of young men signing up for the military every year. And, yeah, they're not exactly uh, going AWOL in, a, in large amounts. No, I mean, you know, these the, the people that are up for these things are up for them, whether they're, a few of them are taking the, the, the shots or not. It doesn't matter. Well, that's right. But, you know, the, the, the other distinction you have to make is you have to assess how threatened you're being. Are they coming to your house to put you in jail, maybe, which isn't nearly as life-threatening as if, let's say, you're in the middle of a civil war or something. So yeah. I think you have to assess what the actual threat to your life is. And if you really feel there's a total threat to your life, people are coming to kill you, whether they're, they're in uniforms or not, then you have, to, you have to know what your line in the sand is before you use deadly force. And that's what we were asking about toward the end of the call, uh, where he couldn't really come up with, a, with an answer. It took us a while to extract that information from him, because he was talking about how important it is to use violence in certain situations. So I said, well, okay, when are you going to start the, your little process of getting them back? And he didn't even know. He he used the excuse that he doesn't know how to be violent. So well, he, he needs was to talking learn. about he was talking about uh, my uh, belief in menarche. Like he 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 went off in a bunch of different directions. I understand the outrage. I do because you have pointed it out, and I never really considered this as sort of the reason that I've come to these conclusions. But you know, I see freedom as an inevitability. I believe. That the, the the Free State Project, the activists working for liberty here in New Hampshire on the political side, the the media side, and the the outside the system side, I believe that the only inevitability is that we're going to have at least some level of freedom. It may not be total, uh, you know, no government kind of freedom, whatever. But I believe we're going to have something, mm-hmm. and that total. Uh, you know, voluntary interaction amongst people is an inevitability at some point in the future, but maybe not in my lifetime. It's the most natural way to live. I just think that that for me, I see it as an inevitability. So I'm kind of like, I feel much more relaxed than I did in Sarasota, Florida, when I was surrounded by people whose only solution to problems was more government, more intrusion in people's lives and higher taxes. All I could, I I was frustrated, upset. I had no solutions. And ready to lash out. Yeah, I I understand. I get it. I know what it's like. And David lives in Florida. But but I, I guess my best piece of advice is if you feel that way, and I understand I certainly did. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should, it, and that's your your future. That's what you're looking at. Maybe you don't need to live wherever you are. Maybe living next to grandma isn't that important anymore. Maybe, maybe that job you have isn't that important. For God's sakes, you're on a you apparently are on a freight train headed straight towards tyranny. And look what look what Gandhi accomplished just by being peaceful and being non cooperative. 
as opposed to shooting back at the British. They were beaten. I mean, it, I, I wasn't there, but I saw the movie. I saw the movie. And uh, in, in the movie, there was a scene where they essentially they came up against the, the British guards, whoever the hell they were, the enforcers, and they just they allowed themselves to be beaten one row after another, just continuing to come up and uh, and just and, and be beaten by these people. And it's shocking to watch that, and it's awful to, to see it happen. But if they had gotten into a, a violent firefight with those people, they may not have walked away. They may not have ever been able to see uh, their their families again. And they were kind of putting the mirror up for the British to see what violent thugs you are mm-hmm. by not fighting back. So exactly. there's, there can be value in that, too. I, I agree. And that that takes me to somewhere I wanted to go with David, but you know we just weren't getting answers out of him. So I, I just And it, it had been two segments at that point, so I wanted to move on. But one of the, the places I wanted to go was... Well, if you take some of them on the way out, that was kind of that's the way a lot of people justify uh, retaliating against the state when they're coming after you with some sort of, you know, they're going to snatch you away in the night or whatever awful thing they're going to do. And no, I'm not saying some sort of armed uh, militia insurrection. I've never I've never even advocated that. Uh, I'm just just kind of I've always been of the. When I was of the violent persuasion, it was take them out if they're coming to get you. Yeah, right? you might as well if, you might as well put a few bullets in them if they're going to put some bullets in you. It's Seems kind of, to make sense, right? But it doesn't really because no, it doesn't, exactly. you can die powerfully or you can die like a dog. And I really do believe that if you if, you know, there's we've read story after story after story of people that have gone out in just this manner that have said, "I've had it with these coppers. I'm going to get a few of them or whatever." And mm-hmm. they're just the media just paints them as madmen. Um, um, and, right. and, and 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 I'm not going to say that I'm going to argue with the media on this particular issue, but I understand where these guys are coming from. I understand the frustration at the same time. You can, whereas when you think about the Buddhist monks that set themselves on fire for the uh, the end of the Vietnam Vietnam War, mm-hmm. people can say that it was ineffective. People can say that it was effective. The Vietnam War did end, right? It did. Um, <laughs> you know, those guys died powerfully. These other guys, yeah, they're 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 come and gone. So what I wanted to point out about the idea of taking a few out when you go out, the idea might be that, well, that'll do something for liberty. You know, even even if I'm not there to benefit, that taking out some of the government guys will do something for liberty. Don't you think that they would that yes. would be part of the justification? Because you know you're going to die if you fight back against these people. If they arrest you or they sneak, you know, secret you off to some secret prison or something like that, there's still a slight chance you could end up getting out. There's a, you know, slight chance if it's not a secret prison, if it's just a regular prison, there's a, there's definitely a chance you'll at the very least be able to write your loved ones and and still communicate and and uh, and maybe become a kind of a, a an icon or a martyr for the movement. I guess martyrs have to, don't martyrs have to die. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't know. I, I think so. so. Uh, well, anyway, you can be an icon for uh, for whatever the the movement is at that point, and you won't be made out to be a total nut job if you do go and take them out as they're coming after you. If you do take a few out and then they kill you, you could kind of justify that to yourself as saying, "Well, I've reduced the amount of evil, violent people in the world when I died, so therefore I did something good." But if after the fact that you die, the media comes out and paints you like a loon. Then you've done nothing for the uh, the liberty movement. In fact, and what made, you've made done it, made it worse because right. then some kid who's watching the TV says, "Oh wow, there are bad people in the world. I'm gonna have to grow up to be a law enforcement officer and stop stuff like this." Yep, exactly. And the state is is uh, is reinforced by your violence against them. They use your violence against them as an excuse to buy some more tanks, to buy some more sniper rifles, to hire some more SWAT team members, to send their uh, their guys to more uh, you know training 
training as to how to deal with this because you know a couple of the agents died, so they more need more training to make sure that no, none of them die next time they're trying to, to all over the U.S. Wife. One example, you know, one one instance in one place, uh, you know, justifies the whole uh, every cop and every uh, organization being. So trained. what I'm saying is, by taking a few out as you go out, you actually are likely going to make the situation for liberty worse in the long run for everybody, and you you end up dead anyway. So it's a lose lose situation. 800-259-9231. And I'm not saying you win anything by allowing yourself to be uh, taken or allowing yourself to be beaten or anything like that. But you definitely do not win by responding in kind. You don't win by becoming like them. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call. Let me make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And uh, by the way, if you want to help support the show, you can do that by going to promote.freetalklive.com. There's a whole list of things that uh, you can do to help get Free Talk Live on more radio stations, more internet connections around the world, bringing more people to the ideas of freedom. Uh, So go to uh, promote.freetalklive.com. And if you hate making extra trips to carry in the grocery bags, for the last few months at my house, we've been using the Tota Sack. It's a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States and is designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. Go to totasack.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com, totasack.com. Get yourself a family pack today. Tota Sack, they carry more than you can, a lot more. Totasack.com. Let's continue taking your phone calls. Derek is in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Derek. How's it going, Ian? What's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to say, um, like, I'm not an advocate for violence, and I don't think you should go shooting up bureaucrats that, like, trespass on your property. But if the threat was there, you know, if there were people, like, uh, lots of people, much like like non-cooperation, like, if, if lots of people were doing this sort of thing, where, like, you know, you're running the cops off when they come to get you with guns, then... Cops being mostly cowards, wouldn't they just stop coming to get people? No, they go back and get more and come back. Well, no, um, the, the police officers, uh, by and large, like take the their uh, police officers by and large take their their vows relatively seriously. I understand that there's some that do not. However, what you're going to find is that some of them do take it very seriously, and they, they're they're very team oriented. So I think that they'll likely come back with the New Hampshire National Guard or whatever state you happen to be in that kind of well, thing. Well, no, to to what Derek well, then is you've saying got, like, here, Derek, I'm going to force in your face, and lots of people are going to get upset about that. Well, Derek, let me back you up for just a moment here. You could bring up an example uh, like out of Iraq. I mean, I remember a few years back there was a story about how the the police departments in Iraq were being threatened so much that uh, essentially they weren't showing up for work. 
Yeah, so I remember, exactly. I remember hearing a story like that, but I don't think that has really changed the situation in Iraq. I believe there are still police in Iraq, and they, you know, the people that didn't show up for work uh, have been replaced at this point by other people. So I don't well, the think ones that, the ones that are effective. replacing them are probably a lot more cautious about enforcing like extremely frivolous things. Well, you're you are speculating, doors. and you don't. I am know. speculating. Like it's entirely speculation. But yeah. if, if in response to like people standing up for their property rights and like their lives. Because, you know, who knows what happens when the armed thugs drag you away. You know, I, I, I would put up a bit of a fight. I don't know if I'd go to, like, you know, shooting them or anything, but I would resist. And if everybody did the same thing, or, like, a majority or a large minority of people did if that. If you resist, they'll that. just break you, dude. Are you familiar with the early in this country, there was Ware's Rebellion. Uh, there was also the Whiskey Rebellion. There were a variety of, uh, you know, revolutions post-revolution. And... The incipient, very, very small United States government managed to handle these uh, if-everyone situations or if a large amount of people in a ge- uh, geographic area. They managed to handle it. Governments, good at handling violence. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I was just thinking, like, if you had enough people doing it, like, standing yeah, up for their actual sure. property rights... Well, no, no, okay, that's different. A lot of the nonsense they do. Well, okay, right, but that's what I've always said, at least within the last uh, several weeks as I've uh, come more close, closer and closer to this position. Uh, what I've said is that it's non-cooperation that I think can be very effective in situations where their, people's rights are being threatened, uh, not mass violence against the people that are doing the threatening of the rights. If, for instance, the, uh, the folks in, in Nazi Germany had been less obedient then maybe things would have turned out differently. Maybe they wouldn't have. I don't know. But I. But it's my understanding from watching popular you know, media like uh, Schindler's List. I don't have a whole lot of uh, personal time put into the, the research here. But I've always seen you know, the, 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 the depictions of what went on was that a lot of these people that were being targeted by the Nazis, a lot of Jewish people and other people, I guess, not just all Jews, but uh, a lot of those people that were being targeted were being very obedient about what they were yeah. being told to do. They went along the to star, get along. The they figured if they just... <laughs> They figured if they would just, you know, bow their heads and get and go along with whatever it was that was being demanded of them, eventually things would get better and they'd be all right. They'd be let to, you know, let back together with their families and this and that. They were absolutely wrong about that. They ended up being taken to their doom uh, as a result of their obedience. So I'm not advocating obedience at all. I think that it's disobedience that is a critical, impo- a very critical factor to this uh, this movement. It needs to happen on a wider spread basis. Non-cooperation needs to be something that uh, that people do when the government is coming after them. I think non-cooperation is far more powerful mm-hmm. than uh, than lashing back out uh, in a violent way against these violent yeah, people. Right, because then sure. you expose them as the violent thugs and not you. Because right, so, you know, I, I remember one time I had a friend who uh, was riding on his motorcycle, and there was a car that kept cutting him off. And so he finally pulled over, and the guy got out of the car, and, and before he even got his helmet off, the guy, he tried to push my friend off his motorcycle. Well, my friend was a martial art, arts expert, and, and, he, and he hit the guy once, and he went down, his nose all over the place. But there was an old lady across the street who only saw the last part of it, mm-hmm. only saw my friend hit the guy. And so he had to go through court and everything for assault when, when he was defending himself. Because yep. the old lady only saw the end of it. And that's what happens sometimes if you do fight back. You have to be careful because maybe somebody, uh, like the media, is only going to focus on the... the uh, well, the media only focuses on pro-government issues today. Exactly. Right there now, have so been times in my... change there. <laughs> there have been times in my personal life where I could have fought back in a, a violent confrontation situation. And I ended up getting hurt uh, in those situations. But had I fought back in the way that I could have fought back then I would have possibly have had some dead bodies on my hands. And then my situation would have been a lot worse, 
even though I would have been justified in, in what I did, it would have been a much worse situation for me. I would have had a, a, a hell to pay as a result of that. Charges would have been filed, and uh, you know, then I, then I would have been a murderer, <laughs> even if it yeah. was in self-defense. So I don't want to lower myself to that level. I don't want to join the ranks of the violent. And and if that means that I uh, that my life will be dis- extinguished by some uh, some state hit squad at some point in some dystopian future, then okay, whatever, well, because okay they're going to get me that. anyway. But- I would say, like, if you're defending yourself, you're not putting yourself on the same level. Like, if I went to the cop shop and started shooting them up and, like, trying to take their stuff, that would be their level. Right. But they're coming to me. So I'm, I'm 50-50 on the issue. I think the bully needs to know that if he's going to come mess with me, he's going to get punched in the face. And on the other hand, I don't believe in, you know, just often firing at the cops or whoever's, you know, harassing you from the government. You know, and nobody really knows what they're going to do in a situation until you assess all the facts in, in every specific situation. There might be times where you might walk away or get out of there. There might be times oh, where you might be backed in a corner. And when, when this is not just yourself from a violent situation is like always the best option. Yeah, and this isn't just people in uniforms. This was anywhere. You could be walking down the street in, in a city and, and, and some muggers try to get you, you know. You, oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, you, there's but, no hard and fast <laughs> rules to what to do. There. Any but other thoughts tonight, Derek? I'm 50-50 on the issue, I think. Like, I don't believe in aggressing against them, but when somebody comes to aggress against me and I do have the means to defend myself, I just think if more people were of that mindset combined with, like, the non-cooperation, they would just leave us alone. <laughs> I think if you have the non-cooperation, they'll leave you alone eventually because if they can't, you can't extract blood from a stone. So if people aren't going along with their little uh, paying their fines and whatever other demands they're making of them, then you've, complete, you've defeated the state at that point. You don't have to pull out any sort of uh, violent implements in order to do that. But if people don't non-cooperate and they just keep going along to get along, then yes, it will come to the point where... Uh, people are being rounded up and, you know, crystal knocked and, and all other kinds of horrible things will happen because you get the government you, you deserve, right? Isn't that what they yeah. say, that people get the government they deserve? If you just go along to get along, then that's where it's going to go eventually. They're going to finally come after you, and it's not going to be pretty. And by that time, if you do decide to resist, remember, most people will not be of that particular mindset. So you will decide to resist in that particular case. You'll get violent. They'll crush you. And then later on down the line, the media is going to look at it, and you'll be labeled a kook, and liberty will be set back as a result of it. So I don't see, 50, I don't see it being 50-50 at all from my perspective. Uh, for me, fighting back against an organ organization defending your loved ones from attack from private criminals i think you completely are justified in doing but the 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 state gang has legitimacy the state gang has people's opinion on its side and you you're not going to change people's opinion by by using violence and they have a lot of reinforcements they do have a lot of reinforcements even though there are more of us than there are of them it's, uh, it's, again, a question of who's willing to do what. If most people aren't willing to, uh, to stand up for their freedom, to non-cooperate, to, to engage in civil disobedience, to not go along with their demands, then it, then it will get worse and worse. And by the, by the time it gets worse, you know, you're, it's just people will be let off to the slaughter, and then there are going to be a handful of folks like you that will be fighting back. That will allow the state to ex- expand itself and get more violence. I'm not necessarily going to fight back in a violent way. I've taken a, an approach of just absolutely ignoring them. And it seems to be working fairly well. Oh, I think that's a fine approach. <laughs> when did you stop paying your property taxes? Uh, last year. 
Did you stop really? paying your property taxes last year? Stop paying my property taxes. I think you will find that ignoring them will not work. That's, that's just my I belief. Love. I hope the, hope the very, very best for you. But I think that I you live will... in a very rural area. A lot of us, I don't think, pay our property taxes out here. So. Excellent. <laughs> well, let us know what happens with uh, the whole not paying property taxes thing. I've never uh, never had a chance to talk to anybody who's uh, who's ever done that. So thanks for the call tonight. We are out of time. It's something to, you know, it's something to think about. Will your violence actually accomplish anything for freedom? See you tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. So the, uh, the, the Mark Edge Interview Series continues, and today I've got Charles Johnson from the Southern Nevada Alliance for the Libertarian Left. Charles, are you there? Sure am. Excellent. Now, uh, you got a high billing from Pete Ayer from uh, Motorhome Diaries at MotorhomeDiaries.com. He said that you were very good at uh, articulating the, the ideas of agorism. Very flattering. I'll try and do my best. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been exposed to these ideas of, of agorism, and I, I can't say that I'm entirely on board at this point. Um, the, there's, you know... Uh, some things that I kind of agree with and some I don't, but will you sure. just sort of um, hip our listeners to what your thoughts are on agorism? Kind of explain it in a nutshell, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, agorism is a form of anarchist libertarianism, so it's it's you know specifically no government rather than smaller government or limited government. Okay. And the, the main thing that will probably differentiate agorism uh, from most of the other forms of libertarian anarchism that people uh, listening to this show may have encountered has to do with the strategy and sort of how uh, agorism sees uh, us as, as libertarians trying to get from where we are now to a fully free society. Um, and so the, the distinction is going to be specifically that, that agorism, unlike um, sort of more conventional, uh, well, Conventional is a funny word to use, right? But, but <laughs> un, 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 unlike, say, anarcho-capitalism or various forms of Rothbardianism or voluntarism or all these other ideas, um, the, the specific proposal from agorism is that we move from here to there by means of counter-economics. Um, and counter-economics is a form of direct action focused on the deliberate effort to bypass the state to the fullest extent possible rather than trying to either take over the state or somehow convince the existing people in power in the state to start being less status somehow. Yeah, it does It does seem somewhat counterintuitive, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it depends on, depends on what you come in expecting, I guess. But um, it's, in, in a lot of ways, it's sort of um, a – it's got a certain amount of connection with ideas from the broader anarchist tradition about um, direct action and about trying to – build a new society within the shell of the old, where the idea is that um, the existing structures that are in place, you know, the existing government power structure, uh, is the last place on earth that you would expect libertarian ideas to get any traction, because, of course, they have a professional interest in uh, maintaining maximal power for the state. Uh, And so instead of of trying to do that, uh, instead of trying to persuade them somehow, or instead of trying to take it over, the ideal is to 
uh, create other kinds of social relationships outside the state, which we can use as a platform for uh, beginning to provide alternatives and beginning to work around um, and ultimately simply completely cut off the state apparatus. You know, I, 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 I get the ideas, and I think that uh, they've, they've kind of been fleshed out here on the show pretty, pretty well then, um, I, mm-hmm. that, as to my understanding of them. Now, um, I, before we get into some of the other I- ideas, because I, I guess I don't have the I don't have the biggest problem in the world of uh, of people doing what it is that they think will work for liberty. Um, yeah, I mean, smearing yourself in peanut butter and wearing buttless chaps um, for liberty, fine. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, if you think it'll work, go ahead, give it a shot. But um, I mean, you know, what's the worst that could happen? There's always the the poisoning the well argument. Um, it, it gets used often here in in New Hampshire, where we have you know th- things are actually going on for liberty, and um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's sort of arguments between the people who believe in um, politics as a uh, as a system and and people who believe in outside the system activism right. and and the politicos are by and large uh, will call the ex- outside the act, uh, system activists um, you know say that they're poisoning the well or making it more mm-hmm. difficult than everyone and you know they have some evidence and and they don't uh, you know it, it's difficult to say the historians generally are the ones that get to decide whether it was the guy in peanut butter with the assless chaps that that caused liberty so um but there seems to be this one sort of uh, aspect of agorism that that really kind of sticks in my craw, craw, Charles. Okay. The it's the aspect of voting. Um, sure. You know, now I'm I'm not gonna and, and and I have a tendency to kind of focus my uh, you know thing on voting here. It, it, it's like there's there's a tiny tiny baby in this bathwater is kind of how I feel on it. <laughs> um, there's there's voting for a national politician, like for instance, voting for Ron Paul, who, you know, by and large, I think w- would you agree that Ron Paul was a pretty darn good candidate for president? Uh, well, in some senses yes, and in other senses no. I um, I do, you know decided at the time that I could not vote for him, and I wouldn't vote for him now given the opportunity specifically because I don't vote for anti-abortion candidates and I don't vote for anti-immigration candidates. Well, he's um, a, um, his anti-abortion stance is to return that power to the states. So he wasn't, uh, he doesn't believe that it's a federal level issue. So, I mean, he's not actually, right. he's anti-Roe versus Wade, which, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can make an argument for if murder is murder um, in a state, then it then murder should be, you know, that, that, that crime should be handled by the state. I kind of understand where you're coming from, uh, but you know, I mean, he's he's not actually anti-abortion in the sense that he wants to make abortion illegal. He's anti-abortion in the sense that he doesn't believe the federal government should handle it. However, the immigration issue is is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. We we had him on the show and we talked to him and and sure. the way he sounded on immigration at the time sounded pretty good. Like it wasn't a big issue for him. Uh, you know, that more or less somebody in his campaign has uh, kind of drummed up mm-hmm. that point. Eh, whatever. Uh, for me, he was a 95 percenter candidate, and I'll vote for 95 percent over um, over whatever else is running. But I don't think my vote mattered, Charles. You know, I mean, I voted for Ron Paul, and I got as many people as I could to vote for Ron Paul, and got people excited for it. But somehow, it just didn't all pan out. And it seems like uh, you know, when you're talking about national elections, the more people involved, the uh, the the less of a chance of your vote counting. 
the, mm-hmm. there were only 54 votes in the entire nation for president that counted, and that was uh, you know because uh, it's uh, Nebraska and Maine are kind of messed right. up. Otherwise, it would be I believe 51. But um, sure. you know these people's these people votes are the only ones that ca- that count um, because it's winner mm-hmm. take all in those specific states for those electoral votes, and that's mm-hmm. it. However, I recently, and I've told this story many times, a couple of times on the air, and I'm sure listeners are going to be sick of hearing it. However, um, I, you know, there was in my town, there was a highway truck uh, being voted on, and there were about, I think there were 200 or 400. The, the number escapes me. I think it was 200 people, you know, voting in the town meeting on this truck, and it passed by one vote. I happened to be out of town that day, could not be in town, couldn't vote, and if I'd have been there, it really, it really bothers me that if I had been, you know, been able to be there, that I could have changed it. And so one vote does matter at times. I understand why people choose not to vote for a candidate because a person can't represent me. But when it comes to an issue, It'd be kind of nice to get some of the uh, the agorist folks out to uh, you know the the few that are here, but um, you know one vote can count. Um, get them out to uh, to vote on some issues and vote no. Mm-hmm. So, well, so okay, so um, you know agorism as a position is um, against electoral politics in general, right? But it's it's important to distinguish here. There there are some libertarian and anarchist views on offer that. I'm sympathetic to, but that I don't agree with, which think that there's like this big personal obligation that you, as a libertarian, as an anarchist, just shouldn't vote ever, right? Okay. Um, and um, that's not my position. I actually just don't care, by and large, and for the most part. My position is not about whether or not an individual person should vote. I think that's um, a decision that's, that's uh, up to the individual person to make, and it's typically pretty low stakes talking about votes, which mostly don't matter. Uh, we can come back around to some of the specific concerns uh, that you have about sort of local uh, initiatives and things like that. Um, but also it's something that doesn't, you know, cost you much to do. I mean, you know, 15, 30 minutes every two to four years, depending on, uh, depending on what you do. Um, what, as an agorist, I am concerned with is not sort of this personal question, like, do I vote or don't I? Uh, but rather the question of whether libertarianism should be concerned with electoral politics as a strategy. So it's not about what you do in that 15 or 30 minutes in November, but rather sort of what you do, where your time and your attention and your money and your organizing efforts are going uh, month after month and year after year outside of that, you know, outside of the voting booth. Um, and so, you know, if there's an issue where you can show up and, and you know, with 15 minutes of investment, uh, make some kind of small positive difference uh, through, you know, voting on a voting on a voter initiative, for example, that's fine. I don't care about that. Um, my concern is the degree to which, uh, as you were saying, we tend to sort of really overstate how much an individual vote is going to count, mm-hmm. and to pour so much time and uh, attention and energy and money into uh, vehicles like, um, you know, running candidates for office every two to four years, whether through that, whether that's through the Libertarian Party or, like, through the Republican primaries, as with Ron Paul or through some other means, uh, in a way that's, that's guaranteed to be costly and time-consuming, uh, pretty much guaranteed to be futile, uh, you know, about 99% of the time, 
and also guaranteed to be uh, rigged in such a way that even where there is a chance to change something, even where there is a chance to influence it, uh, it's going to be over things like, you know, should the city government buy a truck and that sort of thing rather than um, sort of larger scale larger scale issues of political change, uh, which I think are um, almost certain to be inaccessible uh, from anything like electoral politics any time in the foreseeable future, uh, precisely because the, the system is structurally rigged up uh, so that candidates who present uh, sort of radical or maverick views are going to be marginalized and are going to be sort of um, uh, run out of the debate. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, I, you know, I, uh-huh. it, it does seem like that's, that's by and large the case. Is, but I would like to say that uh, when you say 99% of the time that uh, we won't get mm-hmm. candidates through, here in the Free State Project, we've got um, mm-hmm. four, and I've heard um, the six, and I think that the other two are actually friends mm-hmm. of the Free State, uh, people elected mm-hmm. to the, what they call the General Court, which is uh, the New Hampshire State House, um, here, so I mean, we've managed to get some people elected, and there's there 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 are strong there are strong liberty organizations here. The one uh, that is strongest, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, that has 95 members out of a 400 person house, largest in the uh, mm-hmm. in the nation. And so, I mean, there's there's been some some luck with getting sure. people who are rated A plus by this organization into place. Um, so I mean, there's there's opportunities for getting people there. Now I'm I'm not going to say that those people have uh you know slashed the state budget by fifty percent or anything even right. remotely similar to that. And I think we're still at a building phase um, for the political action. I'm not against political action. I think that uh, you know do do what uh, what it is that is your passion, and I think that you'll have the best results. I think that if people that are not sure. into political action are trying to do political action, they're probably going to be unhappy, and things aren't going to work well for them. And you know, there, there's no way to get somebody to do something they don't want to do, especially for free. So <laughs> um, that's right. probably not going to work. But I, I guess I've got some uh, questions about sort of agorism uh, as a whole then. So you and I sort of pretty much agree on voting that it, by and large, futile. futile. However, you never know when that one instance is. So if you want to go vote on some local um, local stuff, please do. But on agorism in general, things like um, yeah. outside the system activism, say, selling pot. People have been selling pot for a long time, and the system has been growing. So I'm not sure how this black market, gray market activity is going to translate into real-world freedom for people. Um, even though the political system is slow and arduous, I'm not sure outside the system activism is any less slow or arduous. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly not uh, anything but slow and arduous. I, I agree with you about that. Um, the the question, though, is, you know, I mean, political change is, you know, is never free. And it's pretty much never cheap either. Uh, and so the question is sort of if you've got to pick a slow and arduous process, which one is more likely to bring about the results that you're looking for and which one is more likely to provide results that are um, sustainable? Uh, now, creating – so, so the, the, the basic stuff of creating um, – Black and gray markets, you know, the, the basic notion of counter, counter-economic direct action is, is that um, 
rather than trying to get the state to legalize things, what you're working on is creating a, a black market that allows people to bypass the state. So whatever the state says, you can still engage in this form of action freely. Um, and sure, there's you know lots of black markets out there, uh, and yet uh, the system is large and powerful. Um, but I guess I want to. Charles, shoot. Charles, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes, you're back. Um, uh, you were saying okay. that what you wanna, and then you cut off. Okay, I'm sorry. No problem. So what I want what what I'd want to stress is is sort of two primary things, I guess. The first thing is that uh, it's important. I think that it's important not to underestimate the power that black markets uh, do, in fact, already have, just as things are. Um, uh, so, for example, I think that it's it's basically because of um, direct action um, by people who you know either implicitly or explicitly reject the legitimacy of government copyright monopolies uh, in the form of file sharing networks and um, you know just other forms of of sharing information that the music industry in the United States, which you know un- until quite recently was you know, locked up tight by people holding down government monopolies in forms of copyright restrictions, has been completely revolutionized. And it's not because anything's changed at all about copyright law, right? Copyright law is worse than it's ever been. But most people now are able to effectively live without it if they choose to. You're able to get pretty much any song you want, find pretty much any movie you want if you just put your effort to it. That's, it's a great and, example, Charles. Um, absolutely. The, the, the fact is IP has changed uh, the, the face of IP has changed dramatically in the last decade, mm-hmm. and uh, it's certainly been done by outside-the-system activism. Most of them don't know that right. they're doing any kind of activism. They just want a song. Sure. But whatever, that's sure. fine. Um, it, it worked. And But if you if you cite a single example, the, the, the people that, that, that claim that political change works might cite um, mm-hmm. you know more freedom for gay people as a, a victory here and now, um, you know, so political activists can cite, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. specific instances where they are more, where they have created more freedom in, a, in an area. So, um, sure, of course, you'll need you'll need more um, than one. <laughs> sure. Um, well, so so that which brings me to sort of the the second point that I wanted to stress, which is is that um, algorithm is is very positive generally about sort of the power of actually existing. Black markets. And you think of think of things like uh, file sharing as a form of bypassing copyright restrictions, or think of things like um, undocumented immigration as a way of bypassing uh, uh, restrictive immigration laws. Um, but um, in addition to that, uh, algorithm also stresses that um, it's not just about going out there and starting your own personal drug ring. For example, uh, it's just as you know, with electoral politics, you have sort of these basic actions. There's voting and there's running a candidate for office, but there's also all this support work. So there's there's you know writing uh, writing op-eds, there's talking with your friends, there's putting up lawn signs, all these things that sort of uh, do a lot of work towards making the the um, you know, insofar as the campaign has any effectiveness, these support activities make it possible for that to happen. Now, similarly, but now similarly with agorism, there's a lot that's going on besides just um, you know getting out there and trying to live your life 
outside of sort of the, the status grid. Um, as important as that is, there's also uh, educating people about agorism. There's also convincing people uh, about the, uh, the legitimacy of what they're doing. Uh, so, you know, lots of people uh, uh, participate in black markets every day. I mean, people buy pot, people smoke pot. Um, but an awful lot of these people are pretty guilty, you know, pretty guilty in some yeah. ways about what they're doing. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll uh, buy plenty of pot and they'll smoke it, and then 20 years later they'll turn around and be the staunchest supporters of drug laws. Um, or not even 20 years later, they'll turn around and say today, well, I don't think that we ought to release all nonviolent drug offenders. Yeah. While well, they're puffing uh, on a joint. Right. Uh, and, and so... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> Agreed. Now, um, I've got about three minutes left for this interview, and I, okay. before we go any yeah. farther, I, I feel like I've gotten what I wanted to get out of it, but I guess uh-huh. what I want from you is for yeah. people that are listening that think that agorism is a good idea, and I, I'm, sort sure. of, I'm still sort of convinced that agorism should be part of, a, a part of the overall liberty plan, not the overall liberty plan. Um, Mm-hmm. But you know, it, you know, and, and I still think that people should do what they're passionate about. But if people feel like they might be passionate about agorism, there's probably sort uh-huh. of uh, conversations amongst agorism agorists as to what's the best idea to to do, what's the best outside the system activism. And I guess I want to ask sure. you if you could control all the agorists of the world, as, as that's, <laughs> though that makes any sense at all, what would you uh-huh. have them do? Uh, well, if I could control the agorists in the world, I'd, I'd abdicate. But, um, <laughs> but setting that aside, if it, so, so if I wanted to stress sort of stuff that's um, relatively easy to understand and relatively easy to get started on doing, I'd say um, that people should, first of all, just begin by educating themselves uh, about actually existing black markets. So there's lots of uh, good material on this um, you know, there's agorist stuff, uh, Sam Konkin's work. There's also, you know, books like um, uh, Sudhir Venkatesh's Off the Books. Um, just to sort of get an idea of, you know, how this stuff actually works out in the real world. Um, now, in addition to that, the primary things that I'd encourage people to do is start looking at ways that you can get yourself out of the official cash economy. Um, not because I have anything against cash in principle, but because, as a matter of fact, under the present system, the more you're in the cash economy, the more you have to deal with taxation, the more you have to deal with government surveillance of your finances, and so forth. And so I would uh, strongly encourage people to look into sort of um, a whole cluster of things about uh, sort of local economies, um, mutual aid networks, uh, getting food through organizations like Food Not Bombs, um, looking to what was the organization uh, in general? What was the? I'm sorry. What was the organization? The, the organization I mentioned is is Food Not Bombs, which is actually a long-standing anarchist uh, political project. Okay. Uh, founded in the U.S., it's now all over the world. Um, but so so basically, all alternative means of you know don't I, I'm not talking about like sort of. You know, quitting your job tomorrow and, and starting a multi-million dollar, dollar heroin ring. I mean, if that's what you're good at, then more power to you. But, uh, you know, part of the point of agorism is, is that um, political action should be profitable for you. It should make your life better in, in direct, concrete ways. And it should start working in small ways on the margin. So, you know, look at ways to sort of withdraw and get off the grid 
and to sort of uh, live your life to the extent possible on the basis of direct relationships uh, with your friends and your neighbors and your political allies rather than sort of be, being dependent on um, uh, you know, either government bureaucracies or sort of the existing large corporate structures that are hooked into those government bureaucracies. Got it. Okay, that's Charles Johnson, Southern Nevada Alliance of the Libertarian Left. Charles, I want to thank you for being on here with me. And uh, if you, uh, your your um, interview will be available after, I guess it's about 11.30 or, or midnight tonight um, mm-hmm. on, at freetalklive.com. It will be attached to the podcast. So if you would uh, be so kind as to send out to whatever, you know, contacts you have that your interview is here, and maybe they'll want to listen, and, um, you know, might some of them might... Be exposed to Free Talk Live, the number one uh, liberty, uh, you know, show in in the whole, probably the world. <laughs> so, uh, send the word out if you would. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a front sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.